The Commander Crunch podcast is brought to you by puremtgo.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 28. You're here for a nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats served up on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of uh, Commander in Magic the Gathering, plus a side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Sam, and uh, joined, as always, by it's Cheshire, Ceaseless Hunger, the all-devouring. How you doing, dude? I'm okay. fine. I'm here. Yeah, I'm great. I'm I, I'm full of McDonald's. Thank you very much, McDonald's, for fucking up my order and then sending me like three times what a human should actually legally eat. Yeah, I don't recommend that to anyone. And and I think you've you may have. We'll see how how we'll check in tomorrow on your. Uh, but um, I feel like it's the type of thing that you you always remember this time. You like and you see the golden arches and you quiver in despair you're like i don't want to feel that way again so anyway as we usually do and as i promised last week uh we're back for another guest profile and uh our guest profile uh or our guest profiles with the community and creators have of course become a place to share and explore the essence of commander uh, and why we play and and gather different perspectives and everything in an effort to promote and celebrate the, the good qualities kind of thing so uh we've got this week uh we've got a certain mono whiteboarder on Twitter, aka Peter, uh, absolute connoisseur of the art of playing not only mono white, but a lot of mono white kind of things, which is generally in favor of, uh, you know, what people see as like the less optimal side, but then making it effective, but also making it creative and, and just having a good time while we do it kind of thing. So, uh, welcome, Peter. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks. It's, uh, it's good. It was great to like hear you do the live read. It's surreal. <laughs> it's better life. Oh, I, I'm not. I, I'm not done with it either, too. So uh, Peter does uh, the the thing that first first kind of uh, drew my attention to uh, to Peter's work. I want to say was. Uh, that first of all, there's this great character talking, suggesting all the uh, on Twitter, suggesting all the great mono white cards. You know, like, oh yeah, I've never seen that before. Oh, fantastic! And then checking out the Twitter profile and going down the rabbit hole a little bit and seeing you have a body of work called the Circle of Protection blog, and it's a masterpiece. And it's just it's all the great just uh, thoughtful musings and explorations of you know what is arguably Commander's least favorite color, like mono color uh and and you can find that at monowhiteboarder.weebly.com i believe but just check yep. out uh peter's twitter of course um there's that and then there's also uh you've you've been a little bit more active very recently jumping on uh commander replays new podcast series uh that he's, he's fired up i think again i think he used to do one but he does a lot of great mm-hmm. youtube stuff anyway but that was i highly recommend checking that out where you you kind of uh put some really awesome perspectives on it so um there's that, and um, uh, I was kind of say you're an NBA fan, but we'll get into that later. But um, that was yeah. that was a little All hint last really. week. I was like, we need to get some basketball fans on because I've been talking to a few <laughs> that are uh, the Venn diagram of also commander players. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know where we start. I think Circle of Protection blog. So you you ooh, mentioned ooh, ooh, to I me. I know where to start here. Actually, uh, what is it? Circle it. of Protection against. Circle. It's Circle of Protection colon blog. So it. Protects right. you against so, blogs. 
I was going to say. <laughs> okay, great. I just wanted to cover that before we went any further, just so exactly. that everyone understood uh, why I was laughing under my breath, just in case people could hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and as uh, I, I think... You'll get to know anyway. Peter's a bit of a uh, a master master with the words, I think. So um, yeah, there's some some funny funny puns and things to be had, of course. But um, I hope so. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But I think it was uh, so. So the way it happened anyway was um, yeah. I'd, I'd been aware of you for quite some time. Like I've got to get yeah. I've got to start to uh, you know dig down to you know. You always go. I'm going to make a Bono white deck, and you're like, this is hard. <laughs> and then uh, seeing what you would talk about, and just like yeah, no, there's you just got to be more creative, I think. And you got to like have an enjoyment for like digging into the, the lesser known parts. And then the bit I love giving cards that were forgotten about their due. And, and it's things like your Quende deck and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, there's, there's amazing fun to be had in all, you know, the whole expanse of magic kind of thing. So, um, but it was when I think you appeared on uh, the lexicon server uh, and we started getting some games in and we, we just had a great time. We're like, yeah, this has got to happen. Jump on the podcast and we'll see how it goes kind of thing. So, um, yeah, no, very happy to have you aboard, dude. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun time. And, um, yeah, it's, it's also very thankful to have you around our, uh, our commander spheres and been playing games with you lately. Yeah. It's been, uh, yeah. Getting involved in discord communities was like the, the final step I needed to really just engulf myself with the commander community. That was, yeah, yeah. that was definitely the missing piece and it's been awesome. Being yeah, in and, it's, it's a, and then jumping in a couple different ones as well. Yeah, it's been so nice, and, and I joke too. It's been my support network for the last six months or whatever, and it really has. I wish like, I would have had it six months ago. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. And it's we've 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 had nights where we finish a commander game and end up talking for two hours afterwards with yep. with you, Joel, you know, um, Gabe, Zach, some of the people in, in Lexicon, and and yeah, of course all the hosts there too. It's just like it's just a good time, and it's we're uh, just. It's been nice people sharing perspectives on, you know, again, command is one thing and it sometimes teaches us about life a little bit, but then we're just talking about life stuff, of course, and so very thankful. It's been awesome. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the NBA fan stuff, we'll, we'll get into, like, talking mono white. We'll talk about other stuff or whatever. But, um, yeah, y- you absorb it a b- bit of basketball, don't you, Peter? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, I started not even – with basketball i listened to nba podcasts because i like the personalities yeah. on the podcast and i was like okay if i'm listening to all these people talk about basketball maybe i should like actually follow <laughs> basketball um and then quarantine hit and the bubble happened for the nba playoffs and like, yeah yeah if there's if there's one like sporting event that you should watch it's probably the nba playoffs because that is like nothing i don't think anything compares maybe baseball in october mm. um can like come close just because like there's something about baseball underneath the lights uh when it's like you have to bundle up to be out there and the players are all cold but like they're the ball doesn't fly as far and but now i'm talking about baseball instead of basketball basketball playoffs baseball playoffs (laughs) both compete for like the top top notch i'm actually an nfl fan primarily like i oh nice i've always i followed the nfl since i was a kid no one in my family is a sports fan i'm the only one Um, who do you follow in the nfl so I'm a Rams fan. And, oh, nice. Uh, nice. We find, we, I, sh- I don't want to be too mean, but we finally dumped Jared <laughs> Goff. It cost us a bit, but I was a Rams fan. So like when I was younger, I jumped on the bandwagon. Like I can remember the 1999 Super Bowl against the Titans. Mm. I can remember Isaac Bruce catching the pass and running up the sideline. It's like a flashbulb memory I have. Um, and then they won again in 2001. And then the 
the the last clear memory I have of the Rams, like as a child, is Steve Smith catching a slant pass in overtime and scoring a touchdown. Mm. And uh, it's just been misery until like 2017 <laughs> when we finally got Sean McVay. And uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of weird not having something to just be like pitiful about now. It's like mm. oh, I get to be excited which is different. So I'm looking for like another bad team. If anyone has suggestions. <laughs> well, that's a funny link because I was, I was going to say, um, uh, I know Chris Von Doom, um, I, I didn't get the chance to thank you, but he shouted us out saying he enjoyed last week. And uh, he's a, been quite a name on the Twitter sphere for commander mm-hmm. and stuff and, and having good opinions, but he's a massive basketball fan too. And he's like, as a suffering Knicks fan, I'm like, I feel that too. I, uh, I technically go for the Sonics, but they don't exist. Oh, and I remember man. when, when, when the Sonics went, I was like, where do I find? And I don't know why, but I kind of just wrestled, like just nestled in with the Knicks and I have no idea why. And, uh, just enjoyed, like learned to enjoy some really bad years. And, uh, I just say Knicks fans, resilience, everything. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's continuing to be like, no one really wants to go there uh and they've tried to attract the big agents but it's i think there's there's clearly a problem at the top and i think a lot of knicks fans will will agree that but uh yeah it becomes like such a cultural thing though when your team's bad yeah you you lament in that and then your team becomes good like i like the browns this year in football i was just like like why they need to collapse where's the collapse i'm like so desperate like i loved the browns (laughs) i feel i would like to know if browns fans felt the way like we we should be collapsing. Like, what do we do now? Like, I, I need to be upset about something, but I have nothing to be upset yeah, about. Yeah, Except, like, and then the city of Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a joke. I remember uh, Joe Kim Noah was, uh, made that, that great comment when uh, the Bulls were playing the Cavs back when LeBron was there, all that stuff. And, and yeah, he's like, Cleveland? Who would want to go to Cleveland or something? <laughs> it's just like, it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's I, I always uh, enjoy that little uh, bit of animosity as well be- between, like, a, a team suddenly does well. And then there's this divide between fans. Ah, like, oh, they're all the oh, fair weather fans. Ah, oh, they weren't here during the bad times. Yeah. <laughs> the Warriors were totally that. Everyone's like, oh, we were, yeah, you know, Steph Curry started playing really well and the team would work. And no one knows the Warriors before them. They're just <laughs> jumping on the bandwagon. And it's, it's like, shouldn't you all be celebrating together? That's fine. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, um, I'm a, so I've, I don't really have like an NBA team necessarily because I just like love the I'm like I love yeah. the players and that's how they market it now. It's like all about the players. But I if I have a team, it's probably the Pacers because I'm in Indiana and oh, the I Pacers. Love I love that the Pacers are cool because the Pacers are like constantly middling and like going nowhere. It's just like Cedric Phillips Ooh. did his like power rankings and he had the Pacers not making the playoffs. And I'm like you. You need to know yeah. that the Pacers are going to get the will. fifth seed. Oh yeah, they're going to get the fifth seed, and then they're going to be bounced in the first round, and that's just how it's yeah. going to go. Like Someone I know exactly what's going to happen. They're, they're consummate professionals, and like they've got yeah. a lot of pride. They've got a lot of pride, but I don't think it's in a like they're constantly still making good moves. Mm-hmm. But it's like to keep it's nothing's ever going to push it. It's it feels like nothing's going to push it over the it's edge. It's just like the curse not. of the small market team, right? Like you cannot. Yeah. You have to just find that perf. You have to find the Steph Curry, right? You have to yes, find that exactly. perfect, or the Damian Lillard's another good example. That perfect person yeah. who can push you over the top, but also won't leave when that time comes. Yeah, which is also a cool thing it, about the NBA, right? Like, it's it seemed like there's been a, a quite a few little like there's the promises of like, I, I even remember Danny Granger doing well and like yeah. uh, Paul George back to was Jermaine O'Neal was great, bit. but yeah, it's just as long as you can remember, Pacers have always just been a solid team. But never yeah. great, and it's very funny. But uh, yeah, no, I, I really love it. I, I, I love. I also respect, generally respect Pacers fans for like their kind of. 
it's resilience in a different way. It's like, no, we're just going to be consistent. And I, I love that. But it's like, like a worse Spurs type thing. Like, <laughs> it's like they always take themselves seriously. They're like, they, they're, they're never, I think they're too proud to like blow it up at any one time. Like, and it'd oh, be, yeah. you got to like throw, throw a few years away kind of thing. But can you yeah. imagine Greg Popovich like tanking a team? I don't even think he no. can. Like, I think he I would think he tank can. the team yeah. and they'd all be like, wow, this, like, this is so motivating. Like, we're yeah. going to play above ourselves. You said it before too. Like that's my favorite thing with um to to investigate with like team cultures. I think that's that's really cool. But um, oh, I, I like, love the I heat love the for that reason. Yeah, me too. Me too. Heat, and I love uh, I love the perfect. Raptors as well. Like yes, yes, with Nick Nurse. It's, yeah, the, those yeah, it's just those positive, teams that yeah. have an identity beyond the players. Like you're going to come in yeah. whoever you are, and you have to absorb our identity. It's like this interesting balance because so many other teams are like, it's the player that's the identity. Like the Lakers were Kobe Bryant was the identity of that team. Yeah. And then now it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the identity of the team. And when those guys move on, they're going to lose their identity until a new person comes along. But like, yeah, their identity is just the star player. Who's there. Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Yeah. And I, I liken that to like top down versus bottom up design. In yeah, a weird way, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's see everything goes back to magic. We're getting it's it. all magic, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll we'll touch on NBA more, and like I say, I could go on about it for hours. And, and there's there's so much fascination and so many things. We could just make this an NBA we, podcast right now. We could, and I'm glad you touched on that too because we were talking the other day about no dunks, which is they used to be the starters. They used to be basketball Jones before that. I've listened to them for what feels like almost ten years, and it's they've always been the golden standard of uh, just people hanging out but being informative and smart and mm-hmm. but having a good time and it's just you listen to it even if i'm not paying that much attention to the nba at that point um because i ebb and flow sometimes i often do but like at least if i just listen to that like i'm getting something and they talk about other stuff other than and um i was about to say magic other than the nba anyway so highly recommend no dunks even if someone's not an nba fan just give it a go and uh the bit great i like advice. too there's uh there's a great dynamic in that it's uh there's three canadians i believe or two canadians and uh, or a bunch of Canadians, I think Trey's from Chicago. I uh, can't remember where. Basically, like the states and can, uh, Canada, and then there's uh, Lee, who Lee. is from Sunbury, which is down the road from me. Like literally, I drove near <laughs> there today, and it's like just just Lee from Sunbury, and it's the greatest thing ever. And he's he's so he's so clever, but he's just like everyone loves. He's like his view on things, how funny his Australianisms are, of course. And yeah, when he talks cricket, uh, you'll. I don't know if he's done that on any of the latest episodes that, that you've yet. started watching. They've Listen, only, you'll, they've only the referenced the that they will talk about cricket. Like they're oh, just constantly yeah. referencing that eventually cricket will come up. <laughs> he, he's like, it he could do a whole podcast. And it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, you mean just threatening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. totally, totally. They joke about it. And it's like, yeah, it's the best. And he could just go on and go on and go on. And it's, and it's as an Australian, you're just like, this is amazing. They're all just taking absolute mirth with what he's talking about. They're like, this is wondrous. I've never heard anything like it. And I'm like, this is just what we grew up with. It's hilarious. It's, it's, it's like so, every time I explain what a meat pie is to an American and they go, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You what? And it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like a pastry shell with like, a pie? you know, uh, a very like long stewed meat. Uh, in in a like a meaty gravy, thick, delicious. <laughs> do people, do like, people not sauce. know about those? No, that's we've a, come I have these yeah. people who are like, "What do you mean a pie? Like, yeah, pumpkin? We pie? have chicken like, pot pie. No. <laughs> exactly, yeah, pot pie is what I've heard. Come exactly, on. exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, sh- sh- shepherd's pie is where it's really at, though. Get me those mashed potatoes in there. That's we have meat good. pies that are actually shepherd, shepherd's pie as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. for sure. That's that's the pinnacle of culinary excellence. <laughs> uh, actually, I think you will find that that is uh, steak and kidney. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, uh, I uh, subjective, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I won't accept that anything sans potato is mm. able to compete with something that has oh. potato in it. That's <laughs> that's my requirement. The golden standard of vegetable excellence, exactly. I, uh, yeah. I can tell you right now, your uh, your uh, empty empty potatoes full of their nothing versus something so exquisite. You can you survive off of potatoes, potatoes alone. I believe. I was going to bring that up, the guy that did, and I wouldn't recommend it, but it's possible. You it has everything you need. Eventually, you will die. <laughs> I, uh, I literally... Don't test it. My, my partner makes fun of me all the time because we'll be sitting down somewhere and I'll say, I kind of want a dessert. I'm going to bake a potato. And just get up and make a mm. potato. Just uh, spur of the moment. <laughs> Dessert, it's a snack. Potato, it's dinner. Mm. It's a snack. It's breakfast. I don't care. Potato. Perfect. It's got everything. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Um, all right. So what I was going to do? Uh, great. Great culinary chat there too. Because I was going to say most things. Most things also lead back to food, and they have analogies. And yeah, exactly. So um, respect. Uh, I'm going to start it off with. We've kind of got into a, a couple of lofty chats already, and I'm, I'm very thankful. And I'm just going to keep it this way, of course. But we'll put a rough structure to it. First thing today we had was uh, was Brewers Notes, the return of Brewers Notes. Uh, mine being that we finally got our hands on uh, some cold home. And, I mean, uh, you did. I, well, I did, and I know I, I couldn't make it to Chesh Breaks last night, Chesh, because there's reasons. Um, but mm-hmm. I had to be, I had to go run an errand in the city, which also meant, uh, or dropping Kate off and then pick her up, and um, also meant I could go to my LGS and play a little pre-release with a mask on and social distance, all that stuff. Uh, first time I've played forty card Magic in a year, at least. Uh, blew my mind. I was like, this deck feels tiny. Very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, How did it feel to shuffle <laughs> to shuffle forty de- cards over a hundred? <laughs> oh yeah, and they're falling on the f- the uh, the floor because my hands are used to the you know uh, <laughs> holding a cube of things. Um, but anyway, that that was awesome. I picked up uh, yeah, so a pre release kit and a set booster box because I haven't bought any sealed product for quite some time, and I indulged in um you know the just throwing a little bit of money at a box and enjoying what's inside and, and had a bit of fun. But it got me thinking about now finally um, really investigating some of these cards because I remember as Mr. Bevers said a few weeks ago, he enjoys kind of examining the cards and feeling them out of the pack when you first see them go, that's a card, you know? And that that was something I tried kind of for the first time where I hadn't absorbed most of the cards and like as like seeing them all fresh and then putting them into a deck or just going, what is this? And... The excitement's really fun. I highly recommend it if um, you know someone hasn't done Did that. You so um, I might try that, that name again is Mister Plow when you saw the big plow. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh, and I laughed my head off. I got a foil ox. I'm like, hey, hey look at this guy. <laughs> it's the best. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. I I I, I brewed up a um, a snow deck which was like base simic. Uh, this is in limited and kind of stretched out to splash four colors because all my snowlands could do that. And it just got greedy, but that's what you do in pre-release. You do weird things. And I, I cast that 12-mana Kraken, made a copy of it. Um, those lands, by the way, that was, so this is where I'm getting to. I'm going to start touching on all these things. I want to just jam in Commander decks now. Um, and I'll, I'll get your opinions too, guys, if, if, if you 
you know, that has changed or you got any to highlight as well. But those lands, the uncommon cycle of they ta- they enter tapped and they tap for one color, which is nice, and then have an effect on them. If you've right. seen these. I think I know what you're talking they, about. It's a two-color effect. It's, right. Yeah, it's a two-color effect, exactly. So it'll be in every cycle pretty much, uh, as far as I can see. I'm looking at them all in front of me. Is it, is it just allied? I don't know. I, I never know allied or what kind of magic right. fan am I? There's, I don't know there's an Orzov one and a Boros one. Oh, no, they and look and like uh, everything. Selesnya, yeah. Golgari, Gruul, so uh, Simic. Enemy either. It and it looks like ten it looks like ten of them it does but um I think and I, I may be wrong anyway but this you can pretty much what I'm thinking though is like these belong in pretty much any deck they can I mean warranted if the the effect kind of does something but the fact is you get usually a a fairly costed effect on the land to sacrifice the land and then two colors so for example the port of Carvel is three blue black black sacrifice the land. So we're talking six mana here and sacking the land. So seven ultimately, I guess. Um, and then mill four cards and return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. These are card, like effects you would play a card for. And like you totally would. There's the other one. The Selesnya one does, I think, put a 1-1 counter on each of up to two target creatures. They gain vigilance and lifelink down the turn. Activate only any time you can cast a sorcerer, I think is usually the case. Oh no, the other one's instant speed. That's pretty cool. The, the the reanimation. I haven't I haven't had a look to see what timings they are, but that, that kind of is a factor. Um, the red the the Boros one, you just sack it for four mana, so four mana and tap mm-hmm. it to, to search for an aura and equipment. This is this is some spicy stuff. Anyway, just check if you're if you're going to deck in any of these colors, like likely just chuck one of these in, replace like an island or a you know if you can afford to take a tap land, which is usually not too much of a downside. They've just got an effect on them, and they're they're amazing. And I just wanted to shout those out because it's also, I think it's also uh, a little bit connected with the way Coldheim I think is feeling. And I'm no limited expert, but some of the design space in this is really I feel like it's kind of uh, touching on the idea of using all your mana and being as efficient as possible, or just always having something to do, which I think is really positive for people. I guess getting into the game, that kind of thing, and just making gameplay feel good. So having like effects on your lands is zero opportunity cost kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then foretell is is also just an effect that goes, you know, turn two, I've got nothing else to do, I'll just foretell a card, and you essentially take a down payment on it. And um, there's then you know you can get it for. It's not necessarily cheaper. It's more you split up the cost, you cast it later, which has an effect that skips turns. And I think that, in a way, is weirdly like a form of ramp. So I think I'm really interested to see if we're going to, uh, you know, how much we're going to see foretell around the place and, you know, depending on which cards have the cool effects and everything. So I don't know. Um, yeah, Coldheim, guys. Anything you guys have seen you kind of want to jam with or, um, or thoughts on actually foretell, actually, I'm keen to hear. I just, the only thing I want to do is play the foretell legend that allows me to foretell stuff and just foretell everything just to be a jerk. <laughs> no, you can do it That's pretty fun. much it. No, I, that that was from the pre-con too. I oh fore- yeah, I that fore- Azorius guy? The like zero yeah, foretell guy? I foretell yeah. a bad time. 
Well, um, well, that's of, of all the cards. It's always it's what's been happening to me lately. It's like the the commander that speaks to me is the uh, often the one that's kind of surprising. I'm like, why does that one speak to me? I don't know. It just does. <laughs> um, Vega the Watch is the one I'm building first. So uh, the the blue white again Azorius, but it's just the the uncommon bird. Oh yeah, and- that guy. Yeah, I love that guy. And I, I pulled the showcase out of it, and I'm thankful because I might see if I can put it together tonight to then maybe appear on Lexicon tomorrow. And I, I don't know if I can do it in time, but I'll give it a whirl. But I really like the idea of building a deck with, um, and I think I said it before, but the 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 ability is just on a three mana two two flyer when you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. And I just think that's really cool and open ended, and it's just like. You don't have to build it in a particular way. You can kind of build it the way you want to. Get card to play advantage. spell talk. Card advantage yeah, totally. in the command zone is like just like you can do whatever you want now. Like uh yeah, when I get card exactly. advantage in the command zone, I'm like owl tribal. I think so. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Yeah, totally. totally. Oh, I, I, yeah, I thought spirits exactly. Like it's like flying spirits, and there's lots of weird wacky things. But I, I started going to like where where do you get your uh, interesting. Uh, casting spells from anywhere other than your hand from and like firstly my favorite card spell twine is one of them like mm-hmm. that's that's great you just get three uh oh sorry two uh and then the other one was um the uh, four mana guy i'm great with magic card names uh the ojatai master tigum i think tigum yeah gives, the, he's gives he's yeah Gives all rebound. your instants and, and sorceries rebound exactly. So you're rebounding stuff, so it's casting them from exile as well. So and again, can, it's not like inherently broken stuff on its own. It's just a nice like flow of advantage. It's just do, really cool. Uh, you can do my favorite. I love top deck matters. Like top yeah, me deck, too. My, me too. I've said before, my favorite mechanic in Magic is shuffling. And yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like with it. Vega, yeah. you can do Future Sight and Magus of the Future, and yeah. all those silly cast the top card of my library cards yeah true i mean there's a it seems like more of those are in green these days thanks green but um yeah definitely um future side is is a nice one and it's that was what i was thinking i'm not actually playing future Sight in a deck at the moment i'm like oh yeah i gotta play that card again it's awesome it's just really really good so um, i really i really like to and i think i'm also in the minority on this i like the top card of my library revealed for some reason I love yeah, the like yeah. the like just like no fear intimidation of it. Like, yeah, I'll show you the top card in my library. Oh yeah. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> now be you it, know uh, now you know everything. Uh yeah, be it uh what's the one, the the centaur that uh drops lands off the top or uh Oracle or Corsair my Cruises. favorite yeah, Corsa. Uh, I play Vivictus sometimes, uh, Vivictus Asmati, and I just run a Lantern of Insight in there because I want to see what everyone's hitting, like going to <laughs> Vegas. It's it's great, which you could totally do on like a Tali or something, but yeah. I love that dynamic to a game, and same with like I've, I'm have i a big fan of, uh, haven't done it lately, but the um, play an enchantment that just like reveals everyone's hands. Oh, yeah, telepathy. It's super funny. I, like it's just I think that might be the winner for most like – like smallest effect that everyone at the table just despises and goes after you for. <laughs> like I've yeah, cast true. a telepathy on turn one and everyone's just like, okay, we're getting rid of you. We're not playing against you anymore. Like we're <laughs> eliminating you as soon as possible. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so yeah, we'll see, see how Vega goes. Um, that's going to be cool. The set booster box had some really cool stuff in it. I'm, I'm happy with Chesh of all the list cards. I've got one. I think you want, <gasps> I hit a I hit a cruel tutor. Ooh. Do you want it? I mean, yeah. That's kind of cool. The art's amazing. Kev Walker, great. I uh, got a Helvar. I know 
Peter, you were oh, talking yeah. about Helvar at some point. I, I think we Helvar. need to we need to both look at that card and do some cool stuff for sure. I'm trying. I've tried my hardest to not think ahead on my Terranika deck that I've been working on for this year. Yeah, but yeah. Halvar yeah, yeah. is like the one card that I'm like, as soon as I can, that card's going in the deck. Oh yeah, because I just want to play with that card. It's a dude and a sword. It's fantastic, but the effects as well. I think, like you were saying before, like effects, you just, you know, the, the, the part of your brain that just fires up when you see an effect and everyone's different. And I, I love that. And I love seeing what kind of, uh, I was going to say triggers people, but it's triggers people in a possible, like a positive way. It's like Double art. Strikes. You just never yeah. know what, what art you're going to find appealing. And it's so subjective. Yeah. Absolutely. Double strike just gets my mind just going, Ooh. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if it's not like, yeah, well, great. I got I got six damage instead of three. It's just something it feels good. Lifelink's one of those ones. I know newer players tend to gravitate towards it, and you're just like, that just feels nice and comfy. Um, I tend to love it and probably overrate it. Double strike may be the same, but double strike's powerful. I love it. Double strike um, just – there's so many shenanigans you can do with double strike too. There's not oh, many yeah. – that's like the white version of like double your mana is is double strike. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, uh, that th- man that is not a glowing review. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we got to double something. What's it gonna be? It's gonna be our power, I guess. Like yeah, like red is just... double damage. Black is black is I don't know what black's double is. Double tutor. Uh sometimes know. weirdly, yeah, double tutor, double damage in a weird. No, sorry, double um uh, what am I saying? Double swamps sometimes. Who knows? Double, double like, life loss, maybe? No, yeah. but that's basically red's thing. Yeah, Green is yeah. double mana, blue's double draw, red's double damage, white's double strike. Yeah. yeah just, exactly. That just sounds so. What's black's double? <laughs> that exactly. does not. White is double strike, which isn't even a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like double strike. Exactly. Uh, the other, there's some other great stuff in it. The Velky God of Lies uh, showcase. So, Tibalt. Just looks awesome. Seeing a planeswalker on that frame, I think, really got me. I was like, "Dang, that's that's a card. That looks awesome." And uh, seeing him on on the front with his snow hoodie is is super cool in that art. And then um, the wackiest one, I didn't even know, was really a card. And I was like, "What is this dumb Commander Precon card doing in here? That just seems like a dumb Commander Precon like figurehead, Coma Cosmo Serpent Foil Mythic." It's like this is. This is a card, <laughs> far out. Oh, yeah. the, the, is it three green, green, blue, blue? It's the whole like Simic stop, slow down, like don't need any more, please. Uh, six, six serpent for, yeah, so seven. Omnath Manor, it, it seems. Uh, can't be counted, of course. Uh, and then at the beginning of each upkeep, create a three, three boils, blue serpent creature token named Coma's Coil. So you just make serpents all day. And then you can sack a serpent, choose one, tap a permanent. It's activated abilities can't be activated. And Coma or Coma Cosmos Serpent gains indestructible until the end of turn. <sighs> just it's a just, lot of text. Just, oh, it's so much. And it's like, I, no, I think we need one more feature. You know, it's just it's just lacking a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, nuts. it needs but, like uh, something like, I don't know, put a card in your hand. You may put a land onto the battlefield or something. I don't know. Ah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, and and people people have talked about the the, the boring nature of, um, of Uro. It's uh, well, Uro and, and kind of the... Maybe maybe the uh, the Omnath thing as well, but uh, yeah, I won't get into that. I haven't played Simic yeah. in ages. I kind of I almost look at this guy with my rule of like you open a, a foil shiny, awesome version of something. You kind of have to build it, and do well, I and just he's, build a big he's dumb cool, serpent? Right? How many he's serpent? Cool. How many serpent decks are like? Can you build like Arixmethes yeah. isn't a serpent, is he? And so this guy just lets you do serpents by himself. 
I think so. And, and I mean, a, an ability I do love, and I've done it before in Simic, and it's just, it does kind of rock, uh, is, is the whole like reflection ability, which I think used to be on infinite reflection, I think is the card, the enchantment, six mana. But now you've got an ability like Sakashima's Will, which I've had some fun playing that in Commander Legends recently. I'm like, yeah, I need to do some stuff with this card. Like, be the Simic dick, whatever, but like just something with blue in, of course, but make a ton of tokens that are oh. fairly innocuous. And, and it's, it's kind of the. The equivalent of like polymorphing, you're like, well, these now tokens are all the same of one thing, which can have some disastrous effects. Like, oh, so man, if you could do some sort of like, like make a bunch of tokens of your guy that makes the serpent tokens, and it's just like snakes on snakes on snakes on snakes. Oh, that's uh, for some form. reason, for some reason, that's capturing my like imagination of just like yeah, I have yeah, five of yeah. these and I make five five snakes on each of your upkeeps, and that's the whole scoot swarm level. Like, whoa. I even looked at Scoot Swarm the other day. I'm like, yeah, that gets to the point of like, what happens if I create a whole co- bunch of copies of them right now? Or just you dump a bunch of lands at one point. And I'm trying to do the math and it's like, ah, this is <laughs> this game gets hard. This is this is quite something. And I see why it's the type of thing that actually pushed Arena to have a limit of how many tokens you can have on the board. <laughs> it'll, get, it'll get into the hundreds. Like it's it's something else. Anyway, dumb card. Um yeah, so a few things there to play with. Uh, I'll continue to tinker, to, I think, tonight and just have some fun, but uh, a lot of cool stuff. Like I say, Foretell, I think, is an interesting one. I don't know how much I play with it in Commander, but uh, I think in the Vega deck, at least, I'll just jump a bunch, like uh, throw a bunch of um, cards in there that, that do have Foretell, and they do synergize with the uh, draw a card effect, of course, but you know, see how much that affects having like a down payment on things is, is kind of nice. So, I'm, a, anyway. I'm a big proponent of having effects, too, that let you use mana without losing a card and foretell yeah, is like yeah. a really easy introduction to that for new players like the mechanic itself is hard but as soon as you teach it to them they're like oh i can make this cheaper if i just spend some mana this turn then i'm not going to use for anything else yeah so that's exactly what, that's yeah. what i like foretell for of like here like you can use all your mana without losing a card yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's also that it's it's a bit more subtle in the way that mm-hmm. it gains advantage in that uh, how much a turn is worth and getting something out early type of thing. Like I said before, it is, and some people have said it's a form of ramp in a way when you get uh, Dream Devourer as a, the, the black uh, two, yeah, sorry, the, the black two drop. So one to black for a zero three Demon Cleric. And it just says uh, each non-land card in your hand has foretell. And it just, so you can foretell stuff out of your hand so you can get things that will reduce it by two because that's the effect as well. So uh, at the end of the day, you still pay the same mana, but you can dump it out and get like down payments out early, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And, and I think the best way I've heard it put in this way, I always um, like to look at other formats for learning, uh, not that I have to become objectively better at this game or anything, but I, I know limited resources uh, did the kind of the breakdown of the difference in limited is different than commander, of course, but the difference between hitting a land drop at like five and six is multiple turns of chances rather than one, two, three, four, if that makes sense, because of your opportunities to, you're much like, much more likely to miss a land drop uh, after like turn five or six is, is the point kind of thing. So mm-hmm. to get something out earlier on that scale is actually can be like, quite a big advantage so it's it's just something that's i think will have i think will in practice have a lot more uh effect than it seems kind of thing so it's an interesting one for sure so the logic is you're more likely to get to three lands than you are to get to five lands 
Absolutely, so if you can yeah. Spread the cost out so that you can still cast something for three mana that normally costs five mana. Yeah, yeah, that that's coming sense. out on turn three rather than you still paid the same amount of mana, but you just split it up exactly. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite it's quite powerful, especially when you consider like how many commander games have you not cast anything by turn three? Like that, that mm-hmm. happens. So absolutely, how many I like times it. do you just not have a turn two play? Yeah, exactly. It feels bad, but it's, it, it does happen, exactly. So I think worth keeping an eye on, but um, it's overall really cool set. And um, I think, yeah, we, we speculated on a few things, what we liked uh, over the last few weeks, but now seeing some of the cards and actually now starting to brew in decks, it's going to be really interesting. And uh, I just think design-wise, they've, they've, they've pushed uh, in a really positive way. They're trying different weird things. Like, I'll run one by you, but what do you think about the Exile target artifact or creature i think it is and then that opponent dumps something from their hand into play for two mana oh oh divine gambit <laughs> oh yeah i i, I don't want to talk about that card i'm i don't want to be a negative person <laughs> I, <laughs> that's cool that's cool the the thing that did like bug me about that card initially because i can really love any card if the flavor's there like if yes, i me too, me too. can relate to the flavor i don't care how bad the card is i will hmm. i will find a way to play it and Divine Gambit, I didn't understand the flavor. And uh, Rich, EDH Homunculus, was super mm. helpful in like explaining, like, okay, this is the game that they're playing. But I still don't understand how, like, this god is like, I'm going to cheat the rules and leave it up yeah. to fate to decide who wins. And I'm like, yeah, like, uh, okay, whatever you say, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> sure thing, boss. It just, I, I don't know, the, the whole card didn't mesh for me. And uh, yeah, so yeah. then it it made it kind of have no redeeming qualities, unfortunately. Yeah. There's there's times where that happens, and it feels like the uh, the flavor that was intended is a little bit backwards, and, and like mm-hmm. ah, but wouldn't be that. Like, I'm the one that always gets me, King Macar. Love King Macar, but like clearly turning things into gold is a positive in this instance. <laughs> like, oh yeah, just... I never even thought about that. I just really loved the art. I think the art captured me enough that I didn't care. Oh but... yeah, he's. He looks miserable. <laughs> yeah, he he's like you want to be turning things into gold. That's a good thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. oh no, I just turned my enemy's blightsteel colossus into a gold token. How how horrible yeah. of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it came up this week, and it wasn't this instance, but I've done it before. But it's the skeleton ship deck when uh, you know, I've kind of I've looked at everyone's grown when I've put a Pemmins aura on it and a uh, maybe a paradise mantle or something, and I can tap and then untap and make gold and sack the thing and basically just mean no one can ever play creatures and that gets into our topic of last week i'm like does this feel good no i feel like king Macar right now i'm sorry guys yeah. <laughs> just, oh, it's, so it's you wild. figured out the flavor <laughs> it turns well, out yeah turning it's, everything it, to gold actually isn't fun that's the next level you guess what you have no friends anymore because they're all gold <laughs> exactly so yeah there we go we, we just debunked it exactly so we, we dug into it so oh, i love it all right well, well as i said yeah keep uh keep exploring cold home folks and enjoy it and let us know how you go and and it's it's i think it's a good one to be uh that, that might even unveil some layers for quite some time um it's good so also mdfc's always great good times uh so I mean, kind of started dwelling into it and everything, but um, I don't know. I think I think we might just just organically move into uh, some some mono white chatter or whatever else kind of goes uh, goes around these parts. But um, I think just starting like is is there an easy way? Probably not. It's probably going to result in a, a massive conversation. But Peter, is there an easy way to kind of sum up your the way you approach Commander, uh, and, and can that lead to kind of 
some some avenues of what to talk about from there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way I put is when I build a deck, I build the deck to play as much magic as possible. That's my goal. Mm, I like which, that. Which that means one, I don't want the game to go too fast. So mm. I don't. I'm not looking to win on turn four. That's to. I didn't play as much magic as I could have. Um, mm. But I'm also looking to survive. Like I don't want to just be completely overrun. So like the decks I'm building, they're not really rushing out to win really quick, but they also aren't something that's just going to roll over. So I play a lot of interaction. Um, I make sure that I have plenty of card draw. Like the really interesting thing is I have this philosophy and I play mono white, which a lot of people, I think mm. they have this concept, this perception that mono white, you have to do your thing really fast and then you get your board wiped and you're done playing magic. (laughs) But that's just not, that's not at all how I play the color and it's not um, my experience playing the color. Like the games where I don't have anything to do is usually because I just, you know, you have those games every once in a while where you get Mm -hmm. a little flooded or you get a little mana screw and you don't have anything to do. But I mean, I feel like every game, I have decisions to make and that's what I care about is I want to have meaningful yeah. decisions to make throughout the game. And so that's how I build my decks. Yeah. The decisions thing is, I think something uh, Chesh and I got to last week, it was like a, a constant point in whether it's your decisions or the, the tables decisions that make interesting play really like that's a, that's a big part of the anatomy. Like decisions are good for the game. Absolutely. So mm. no, I love it. And it's um yeah, it's, it's, it's restrictions breed creativity, I think is the one there. And it's, it's clearly uh, you are the type of mind that continuously gets stimulated by this kind of thing, like finding a way to, to that's unexpected to do things as well. And, and that becomes, oh, yeah. it's your enjoyment, but it, it's totally the table's enjoyment too. We're just sitting here going, what is that card? You know, it's the best. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just butt in and say, not just decisions, but interesting decisions. Yeah, meaningful yes, true, decisions. True. Yeah, yes. meaningful. E- I like that distinction. Everything that is meaningful or uh, is interesting and will make mm. the game more interesting uh, is is a great thing to have in a game. I just Tor- want to butt yeah. in and say that. I will shut up. Torment of no, Hellfire for 30 gives you 30 <laughs> decisions, but none of them uh, anything. <laughs> Torment, torment of Hellfire can go right up my back. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Oh, it's and it's that's the type of card I've played. I'm like, is this, is this the uh, the end to the game I really saw coming that I I wanted and like almost bittersweet. I'm like, I torment for eight and that was enough to finish people off. I'm like, oh, oh man, uh, that, like a little bit like it was like anticlimactic. Dang it! That and that brings yeah, up perfectly. Like, I posted on my Twitter this week. I said we often think about how we win the game, but maybe yeah. the correct way to approach it is are my opponents, like how are my opponents losing the game? And is that fun? Yeah. If you're looking to create yes. a fun experience. Oh my God. And it, it That's created a lot incredible. of, I got a lot of feedback on that post. Um, Cause it was just a thought I had brewing in my mind trying to think, yeah. cause I spent a lot of time thinking about like what makes commander fun? What makes it enjoyable? How do we ensure a fun experience while mm. playing a game that, in the end, like you can say your goal is to have fun, but the goal of the game is to win. Like there's a zero sum end of someone yeah. has to win the game. And so how do we balance those things? And I'm thinking like, well, I don't think anyone cares if they lose, if they lose in the right way. Right. That's right. And yeah, 
you know, maybe that brings up unfair questions of there's a wrong way to lose or there's a wrong way for someone to win the game that causes the other three opponents to lose. But I don't know. I'm still brainstorming it in uh, my head. Yeah, I think... I think, uh, yeah, what I came down to talking about last week and then even with some games uh, that popped up during the week that actually, like I said, skeleton ship of all things kind of prompted this. <laughs> now, at the, at the, in one hand, I'm like, well, skeleton ship going too far. I'm happy with that. That's, you know, that's a position I never thought I'd be in. But we need it, some it skeleton come... ship talk too because we're both well, skeleton that's, ship Well, that's where I'll, I'll, I'll elegantly segue into because uh, Peter doesn't always pay mono white. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it, it's that whole thing that, and you said it well, and I don't, I don't think I need to add more to it, but it's also uh, we're always, I don't think this will ever be solved in an interesting way because it's an yeah. organic social thing. And and it's also going to be always different between like depending on who you play. And as I've learned, everyone has a different uh, relationship with that balance between keeping the game going and winning and what it means and the drama as well. Um, and we can only, like intent, I think, is only... Like is all we can do, really. Um, it will never get it perfect, but we can try our best. Uh, and maybe there's but, maybe there's no need for a correct answer, right? Like, and that's kind of what I'm feeling. Yeah, like the answer exactly. is fluid, and the key is to have all of these ways of thinking about it in your tool bag, so that you can pull the right one out when the time comes. Yeah, that's man. The I way. think, man. I think, yeah, you. <laughs> I, this is why I love talking. I, I have so much trouble thinking inside my own head and then like I talk to Me somebody too. and bounce ideas and then bam, it's just like, ah, oh, that's it. Like, it's amazing. That's why I'm stoked to have you here. It's, uh, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll have to watch ourselves because this could be a four hour one, but um, yeah, I'll make sure it yes, doesn't please. happen. But <laughs> exactly. No, it's it totally. And, and I spend half my week thinking about this stuff, but it can rattle around, but then once you bounce it off, you kind of, we're feeding and exactly, it's it's really positive. So I tend to no, find that's like, a good way to put it. In my I'll, head, I can't it. get it. In my head, I can't progress an idea. Like I can think about the idea only so yeah, far yeah. in my head. And it's just, I'm an extroverted thinker. Like I have to either, that's why mm. I started writing. I had to write to get my ideas out so I could see if I think they're wrong or not. Yeah, and I, that's that was the bit that really got me about because I spent some time reading uh, what you've put together on on your you know the blog, uh, and and one of the first times I got to talk to you, I was like, oh, that's I've loved what you've done for ages, and sorry I didn't shout out to you earlier, but um, and you're like, wow, it's like that's the best thing to hear that because you just you just basically said you write them for yourself, yeah, which absolutely. is a really interesting way to put it. I was like, wow, like yeah, I uh, exactly, it's I'm. Not a super internally motivated person, but it's the one thing that I do that's completely internally motivated. I don't, I don't write for anybody but me, and I just put it out there in the ether because that's what you do, right? If yeah, you, yeah. If you write something, you need to you need to put it out there. If you make art, you have to put it out there. That's what my partner always says. So yeah, it's got to exist in the yeah, like you say, the ether for sure. It's a really nice way to put it. So. um yeah, love it. Uh, where was it going with that? Skeletonship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I like anything you say. I'm gonna just take it. No, it's in an, oh, and, and that's that's why it's it's such a good uh, dynamic because it's uh, you know, and that's what I've learned with the, this podcast too. Everyone's got their different uh, conversation styles, and uh, it's I'll try and keep a, a mental note of where we're going with with tangents and avenues. But at the same time, I'm completely happy to get lost in them. Like that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not going to put any pressure like, on trying to keep happened? it to a thing. Well, that does. We're just vibing, man. It's great. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there was one thing before we moved to skeleton ship talk. Uh, I was going to say it's the best we could probably do to, um, you know, like you say, it, it doesn't always. It, 
I don't think it ever has to be solved or there to be a, a complete like unanimous answer how to how to balance those things. But I think generally the the my feeling is that maybe it's more just to push for everyone to be a little bit more accommodating and and to try and think about being more accommodating. And like you say, even what you said was not necessarily the answer, which is thinking how your opponents want to lose, but it's a valuable way to think about it to change your perspective, which may lead to you changing the way you, you know, might approach the way to win a game or something when you put the the shoes on the other feet, basically. So, yeah, it's interesting. But, um, yeah, we kind of came down to a similar thing where it's just like, I don't know, try and be the kind of, like, play the way that you would want to get invited back. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, that's, it. it's kind of, it is hard because some people have different, uh, relationships with winning, of course, and, and, and all that as we've learned. And, you know, it's always navigating that, but, um, and it doesn't mean drawing the game out for another three hours to keep everyone in the game. It's, you know, I think sometimes there is a, there's a great case to be made. Like, yep, we've, we've just got to take a player out to keep the game moving, you know? Um, and it's not, that's the balance there. You're not, it's not necessary to make in, like enemies or anything. It's just, yeah. Anyway, rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Skeleton ship. So, uh, yeah. So you, I think one of the only other people I've spoke to about, uh, reminiscing about the, uh, or, or kind of teaming up to talk about the great power that is skeleton ship, the reserve list boogeyman, uh, $20 now. Oh yeah. Uh, and the great, greatest art in the game. But, uh, best yeah, you, investment I ever made. Do you still have your skeleton ship deck built and everything ready oh, to yeah. roll? I took it oh. a totally different direction than you, because totally. And that's what I love about it is that you're like, I want to make skeleton ship the best card possible, and I'm like, <laughs> I want to make skeleton tribal because <laughs> yes, I love, yeah. I love all the like skeleton ships art is really just a microcosm of all the personality of skeletons in all of magic. Like they're just goofy. They're just they all are so goofy. goofy. Have you played Monkey Island, uh, The Curse of Monkey Island specifically? No. The, nope. the LucasArts game? Oh, I'll, I'll highly recommend it. It's that. really old, if... right? Ah, oh, relatively. The, the original two are. Like, that one might have been, like, late 90s, I believe, because it went into some, like, cell shading kind of – or not even cell shading, but just uh, some more – a couple of 3D elements, but graphics got a little bit better anyway. But there's a, just an, an amazing skeleton called Murray, and, and he's goofy and he's silly, and that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, goofy skeletons in Monkey Island. Um, I, I totally get where you're coming I, from. I but, love um, the – I just love that the personality of skeletons is like – I've said skeletons are my favorite, like, <laughs> mythical monster because that's like yeah. – they're both like this – because they're not zombies. Zombies are like creepy undead, like, yeah. like I'm going to eat your brains. But skeletons are like we're undead, but – we're just going to have a good time. Like, yeah, like it's that, it's silly. that dissonance between like confronting death and then yep. humor and that dissonance, putting them together makes something that I really, really enjoy. Yeah. We're just, we're just a bunch of bones that are somehow together and we just fall apart. I was just thinking the show funny bones, which is a British uh, kids show that we grew up. It was one of those shows we grew up with and it was just hilarious. It was just too, uh, the two skeletons with a little skeleton dog, and it's like as a kid you laugh at that. Yeah, that's a that's, yeah, that's a perfect show. I can already. Yeah. I've never seen an episode, and I already know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I appreciate. It. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What was, do you have? Some good skeleton discoveries. I mean, we all want to. Uh, uh, Barry, the uh, the Death Baron's a good one. The uh, if you want to yep. give them the Death Touch, yeah, it was great. But um, the um, I don't know. So the most common ways I win with that deck are 
um, Drudge Spell plus Coat of Arms. So I'll spend the entire <laughs> game. I'll spend the entire game just like sitting there and surviving. Like this this deck epitomizes my playstyle, right? Of just like I want to play as much magic, so I just make myself enough of a speed bump that I'm never easy to eliminate. And yep. then everyone pretty much ignores you because you're playing skeletons. Like you're playing one ones that have regenerate for one black. And oh, yeah. so over the course of the game, I have a lot of creatures that die and Drudge Spell says um, that you can pay a black mana and exile two creature cards from your graveyard to put a 1-1 one, one skeleton with regenerate one black on the battlefield. So the games I win, and usually the games I win, the game's just gone on forever and there's like one person left and then I just surprise them out of nowhere and like steal the game. And like, I, oh, here's here's a bunch of skeletons. By the way, they're all 9-9s. Nine and I made them on your end step so they can attack you now. Um, yeah, and, but, and they're on, on brand that they're just like marching at you like silly. And they're like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, oh. Here's some, oh, yeah. In that art, there's like a skeleton horse with a skeleton horseman. And there's a skeleton dog with a skeleton pseudo dragon <laughs> on a rock. Like It's just the wackiest, weirdest art. Like everyone, yeah, every it? time it, every time I cast a spell, people are just like, what, what, what is that? What does that do? <laughs> Oh yeah, and it's like the horseman's headless, and also got four arms. Somehow. Yes, yeah. Oh, it's because, amazing. That reminds uh, me of um. Oh, one of the the you know scarier skeletons on the other end of the spectrum was uh, always on. I don't know if you played Morrowind, the uh, Elder Scrolls game. I did. Yeah, it's my day. favorite. Oh, one, actually. so there's that was like still in a time where games could still jump scare me a little bit and just like really creep me out. But that whole game, the scope of it, and everything. Uh, had a mystique and you're like, wow, I've got a whole continent to explore. And getting into some of those crypts and you have those skeleton enemies with the forearms and the hood and like opening a door and seeing one of them pop out at you, like drop control of like turn around. You just like ah! fall off your chair kind of stuff. And I, um, yeah. I was super young when Morrowind came out. So I spent a lot of the time just like riding the sand striders back and forth yeah. to different places. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah. look at this new world. Look at this new world. And then like going to someplace that was way too high level for me and then dying. Horribly. Oh, yeah. And then getting uh, the blight and you're like, yep, I'm diseased. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That game it was, was pretty like, brutal. Oh, it was old school RPG style gaming, which. Yeah. Uh, like Skyrim's so different from it because it's Skyrim's really modernized and cleaned it up a lot. It makes for a better cleaned, gaming yeah. experience. But Morrowind was like the really old school, like oh yeah, you could dump all your points in acrobatics, like stuff yeah. like that. Whereas, oh, and like, I, yeah, it was so I, did it was so I still streamlined do that. in Skyrim. I do that yeah, in D and D currently. I love most of my characters just run fast <laughs> and jump high. <laughs> and this one, I remember in Morrowind too. It's just like, how do you? What do you do? It's like, well, we've got uh, we've got to go from here to here, which is on a continent in Morrowind. It's like, what are you going to do? Just run and jump, and yes. you train your acrobatic skill. <laughs> so it's like you're leveling with like I'm just the best runner in the world. <laughs> my my brother would use the frog leap spell just to like skip over. <laughs> entire parts of dungeons and just like oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's also that how game. broken that game was it's yeah, like there's was... there like no limits you could go i'm going to enhance my magicka with a potion which would make me better at making potions which would make mm-hmm. me better at making potions and so you do that loop for 
a couple of hours and then you're making potions that last you like 16 days. <laughs> Enhanced magic of 4,000 for 16 days. Yeah, okay. Like, I feel like so we aren't hard. giving a glowing review of like go back and play more when like, oh my God, this game's amazing. <laughs> like, it's just like you I've... have to walk everywhere you want to go. There's no fast oh, travel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's pretty bad to look at like from a model perspective. But, and that's the thing. It's like, it's the amount of times over years I've like, oh, I could go back and play Morrowind, I reckon. And like, yeah, it's didn't age well. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm fine but like yeah it's I, i've had those like weird weird dreams of doing it and i don't <laughs> think i could but you know it, it always comes up but uh yeah i know there's uh, there's some people if there's a whole crew building it in like the skyrim engine i believe um i think it was even the oblivion engine for some time but it's gone yep. on so long i think they've moved over to that as well which should be like really fun it's the type of thing if someone did a remaster i'd just be like yeah wow oh i'd buy <laughs> it too and i'd probably like but play it for 30 minutes and then be like oh yeah, this, yeah that, that, not, that was good enough that i had yeah. a lot of fun with that <laughs> and then also it's like oh they put it on like maybe the skyrim thing where all the skills are streamlined you're like ah oh, doesn't have the same luster like all mm-hmm. the weird things you used to be able to do so anyway good times good morrowind chat <laughs> <laughs> love it but um yeah it's it's we've kind of uh it's I think in even even in a few uh, kind of conversation topics there, we just touch on so much that it's, you know, absolutely validates the reason why we do this, which is there's so many great valuable perspectives to be gained there and and uh, just, just ways thinking forward. Again, I'm not going to sit here and go, this is the way you should play Commander because that's, that's really, I don't know, um, I don't know the word for it, authoritative maybe. Like it's like that's not what we do. We just kind of want to, it's all about just continuing to think about it because also accepting that's probably never going to be the right way to play uh, unanimously or anything, but trying to accommodate as best possible. But, I mean, we talked about it before, like the social element has developed so much for me personally, and you said it before too, how much that changes in, in being a part of discords and playing with different people and stuff. But how have you felt in the last few months that like uh, have you had even more of a fire kind of ignite when you start playing with different people and, and become part of those conversations? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's like, I think for me, the biggest thing is it's really validating to yeah, yeah. play. Because like you play in your closed, tight-knit sphere of people. Yeah. Like that's what I was used to. Like you played with, you know, the six or seven people that you knew who played Magic. And that was your Magic community. And I yeah, was yeah. never somebody who really liked going. I'm not a huge convention person. So like I get just overwhelmed at conventions. I don't know what to do. And mm. it's just not my scene. I, I like. I'm a very extroverted person, but I don't like crowds. It's weird. No, I feel that too. I feel mm-hmm. that too. I, I sometimes weirdly and irrationally just get Kate will be like, "What's wrong?" Mm-hmm. And and thankfully that hasn't happened for a very long time because we don't go into crowds anymore. But like, <laughs> it's I I kind of switch off. I just like not nah, like ah people like exactly. But on um, uh, getting to play over spell table, it's like okay, people do like other people enjoy playing my decks. My decks work playing with other people and like Mm. you're also getting all these new perspectives because like with my with my group my seven or eight person group none of us played soul ring at all i still don't Mm. play soul ring i play soul ring in one deck it's an artifact deck and that's it and now i'm playing with groups to play soul ring and my deck still works i still get to play i don't just get eliminated right away because somebody played a soul ring which is like Mm feels it feels great like okay somebody can play a soul ring it's not like the end of the world it's you know, the dual it changes, argument too yeah, yeah. it changes the <laughs> dynamic one, one of the player. game 
but one player it. versus three you know like yeah. it's 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 it will self-correct it's i mean maybe i heard a, i heard a story about skitherix coming out like turn three the other day and oh yeah doing a thing it was like and that's great you just live that dream and see what happens but like i don't know is that person going to try and do that every game I don't know. Like, if they are, maybe that's a different story. But like, it's it's fine. It's kind of they're outliers, really. Like a, a good. I often don't. If I have a soul ring, my turn one, I don't play it. I play it turn two. <laughs> like, oh, and it's just like it, a. It's the mindset you have going into it too. Like, if your mindset's mm. like win at all cost, or if your mindset's even like do my thing at all cost, and then you're going to be upset if someone does their thing really fast. Like, That's right. They, yeah, I, they should still get to do their thing. They shouldn't just get like have to sit back and not do their thing, right? Mm. So. That's, and I uh, think that, like, like you say, there's a bit of flexibility there, right. and and that's that's uh, internally to to examine, you know, how uh, are you, you know, personally approaching the game with a bit, you know, of a rigid view that I'm just trying to do a thing that I'm upset when it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. and then like the chess thing, it's like you maybe yeah, look at cards in a different lens to go. Well, this has different utility in different ways depending on how i use it is always the the awesome way i I like to look at it and if you can find a bit more of a modular scale in your decks like it's that's it could like i i think there's definitely pathways for people's enjoyment of commander to 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 really really uh ignite even more like when you start to like lean into that a little bit so yeah yeah there's just i've found that there's in a game because my goal when I actually play my cards is to try and play the most optimal way I can, even though I'm playing cards that are like usually bad. I'm usually like the lowest mm. power deck at the table, but I really like the challenge of trying to play them as well as I can to try and like yeah, ramp yeah. them up a little bit. And I've also started to learn that there's it's impossible for me. I'm not good enough to know what the optimal line is. So mm. maybe there's three lines. And instead of saying like I'm going to try and pick the most optimal line I can say all three of these lines are good I'm going to pick the one that means the most enjoyment for everybody right yeah and it's it's not like I'm sandbagging anything because I don't like that experience where somebody's like I have my win condition but I'm going to sandbag it so that everyone gets to feel it because I don't I don't want to be patronized but if you're saying I didn't do this and my logic was there was this other avenue I could take that's totally fine like that that makes total sense to me. Suddenly you've there's a justification for what's going on and it's totally reasonable. No one knows what the best line is going to be at any given point in time, mm-hmm. especially in a game like Commander where there's a huge card pool and you have no idea what your opponents yeah. are necessarily going to be doing. There's an infinite range of variables that's actually impossible. Like it it kind of is. Like Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 not to mention twenty five thousand cards. Like that's just no. Like <laughs> there's yeah. reasons the computers can't figure it out half the time. It's like they said it's one of the it's been one of the hardest things to ever train AI to do properly. Like it's it's wild. Mm. What I was gonna do? I mean, before moving into a bit more of the uh, off topic stuff, of course, but gel it all into one. That's fine. Probably the best way to touch on the general love for mono white and how it's been, and the the bit that inspired me is is you know just for some examples, like what are some of these mono white brews you've put together, and even some of your favorites. Okay, um, let me. That's a good question. So right now, what I'm working on is um, I'm calling it my deck diary. I kind of like the name; it's an alliteration. Why not? Hmm. Um, and- oh, you've got a picture of Salzburg there. Do you? That's and interesting. The, uh, I'm on your website now. Yeah, interesting. Oh, on oh, the cool. actual like thing. Yeah, I love that the, place. Yeah. 
the idea for the deck diary was basically in 2020, I didn't actually build any decks. I brewed a ton of decks in, in October for Moxtober. I brewed 31 decks in 31 days of all different kinds of things. That's um, awesome. And I, I learned that during that, I basically forgot a lot of the cards in 2020 that are nifty and just didn't include them. Like a ton of 2020 tours <laughs> I thought were cool. I didn't include. So this year I sat down, I wanted to A, build a deck, um, but my budget's pretty tight. So I need to build a deck that's on that's in a budget and is full of 2020 cards. So my mm. rule was starting out, no card can be over a dollar and every card has to have been printed in a product in 2020. So it could be Hell standard yeah. sets in 2020, Commander Legends, but also card or sets like Mystery Booster and Double Masters helped to kind of flesh out the deck so I could play it at a wider variety of power levels. Um, mm. And that's uh, that's been... You can go on my blog and read all about it, but that was my Terranika deck. I just added um, Livio, Idol of Endurance, and Mistress Factory um, this past week. And so I'm excited to just play with those cards. And Livio and Idol of Endurance were purely, I want to play with these cards. I haven't found a deck to put them in yet. I'm jamming them in this deck. And just yeah, let's on, see, let's they're see what on they their, do. Um, they're on their probation, their test, you know, run. Yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. Let, yeah. Let's see what they do. And I'm going to probably keep playing them. And if they don't work, I'll make the deck work around them. Like this deck is completely free form. I can take it in any direction I want. The goal when I built it was just see what direction I can take it in. Um, other, so as far as decks in my collection that I have in paper, I have Radiant Flying Hate Bears, which was built because <laughs> I really like Voltron. I really like Voltron, and my philosophy with Voltron is, uh, your Voltron strategy should just be an actually good strategy to play, rather than, mm. like, equipment cards, if your equipments are only there to equip to your commander, you're, you're gonna have a lot of games where you just don't play as much magic as you could. But if your yeah, that's right. Voltron strategy is associated with, for example, deck on Blackblade, the goal is play a lot of lands. And that's mm. just a thing you want to do in Magic anyway. And then it just leads into this Voltron strategy. Radiant is play flyers. Well, I, I can build a deck that wants to play flying creatures. And that's a completely reasonable thing to do in Magic. So mm. build a deck of flying creatures and then have my Wincon be this giant flying angel that I create. Um, I built Srom because I wanted to prove that White can draw cards just to spite oh, people and it definitely can. can yeah um and i didn't want to do it with equipment because um that's a little bit too combo heavy for me mm. and i like playing as much magic as i can so i built it in auras and i've found that i really really love doing mono white aura things um oh Lauren yeah technicolor yeah. mine on twitter she also loves doing aura things so i've been following her twitter and getting aura ideas um, from her as well I'm Wars definitely going to are... tune in because um, I think I told you I'm, I'm building Commander Isha and it was uh, the whole, uh, do I do equipment or auras? And again, like the, the commander does not restrict that any one way, but uh, I leaned to enchantments because of concerted effort. I just think it's such a cool card with yes. Commander Isha. Concerted so effort is awesome. Everything gets protection. It's amazing. It's the Audric oh, yeah. effect. I think, yeah, I suggested yeah. that idea to you, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. That and that the, was yes. that was like the heart of it. I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, that's an easy one. We can lean on some enchantment kind of, um, you know, synergies to draw cards, whatever. But auras, yeah, is, is something I haven't. I've got a bunch of aura cards and I'm kind of not jamming them in anything. And then, like you say, keeping enough slots there to, uh, you know, not every card has to be the most 100% synergized to the thing, but it can be good in its, on its own. Like for one, mm -hmm. it was... I want to play the new Archon of Coronation from Commander Legends. So the the one with the Monarch and then yes. you don't lose life with damage when you're the Monarch. And it's like, 
yeah, it's not the greatest card. It's pretty cool though, and I, I, I'm going to have some fun with it. But yeah, no, it's it's. I definitely want to tune in and, and just keep tabs on on what what you folks are talking about with the aura scene because I I haven't built an aura's deck in ages, and it's all interesting to me. And I get to play and all a- that glitters is is gold. <laughs> uh, yeah, auras are just so cool because they're like inherent card disadvantage. So yes, you have to yeah. figure out a way to circumvent that. It's an interesting challenge mm. to impose upon yourself. And That's right. the reward is actually some really neat synergies that you can get. Um, yeah. My SRAM deck, I get to play Monastery Mentor in Mono White. Monastery Mentor is one of my favorite cards. I love that Hell it's a yeah. white card. And now I get to play yeah. it in a Mono White deck and I win games with it because it's a very good card. Oh, it's really good. And it's it's the thing too. Um, I think with, I was talking about Vega before, but I think Vega is the backup. I might just generally do a lot of spells and then maybe things that, that, that make uh bird tokens or things like that mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be the full uh game plan or anything but a bit of that synergy i'm like yeah I'm just gonna I'll th- i have a monastery mentor i gotta throw it in there and it's just gonna be a really cool way to you know i think just fairly win a game type thing just make a lot of tokens and then ideally do something with uh sakashima's will like i said maybe uh or i don't know i just see a lot of tokens now and i think you've seen the deck i just like oh you could polymorph those <laughs> Right. I love that deck to. because I had no idea what you were doing for the entire game. And when we when you won that game, I still didn't know what the deck was designed to do. <laughs> it, just, it was just like, all, Sam's just over here and he's insisting that this deck has a game plan. But I see the game plan is just play giant scary creatures <laughs> with the game. Yeah. And it was perfect. I'm pretty sure that, that game started with not actually making that many tokens anyway. And I'm like, this is not the way it's meant to go. And, and because I'm playing a commander that doesn't have the, any of the effects on it it's right it was more that's it's a it's an intentional placeholder because i love jewelry i love the art and it's to show that the commander in that sense is kind of throwaway anyway and it often becomes a polymorph target anyway um but yeah it's i could play jess guy and do the you know the bird guy that makes the tokens and yeah sure or i could do what's the other polymorph one that's pretty good to do uh the teamer one with uh what's her name uh, I can't remember her name. Anyway, from Khans, I, I believe, or, or that. Yasova Dragon Claw? Yasova, yeah. And Yasova. I, I love guessing the card games. So yeah, if you exactly, can't come up exactly. with a card name, I'm, I love that game. <laughs> I said before, I'm getting to the the, uh, the point where uh, maybe my, my quota for, uh, or my hard drive space in my brain for card names has started to run out. And it's like, oh yeah, God, come I, on. I'm thinking of the art. I'm thinking of the art. That's not it. So, yeah, I just exactly. clear out like day to day stuff. I'm really absent minded. So, like, I'll drive to work and I'll be like, did I close the garage door? I don't remember, yep. but yep. like, thank God I can remember like three random magic cards from visions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cool. Cool. There is one question that I do want to ask. Um, you may have circular protection blogs, but what is your thought on um, approach to the second sun? Oh yeah. It's all, of course. Cause it's my favorite my favorite white wing condition. Right. And I love approach the second sun from the idea, especially in mono white. Cause it's really cool in mono white because mm-hmm. it creates a clock on the game and mono mm-hmm. white is not good at drawing cards in mass. Exactly. Right. Like, so it's like, like here's, you have seven, maybe I can cut it down to four or five turns before yeah. I draw this card. And it's also neat because White doesn't have like I I use approach to the second sun in that slot of like torment of hailfire craterhoof behemoth expropriate those like these are giant spells in these colors that mm. win the game on the spot and of course leave it to white to have the giant spell that wins the game 
seven turns from now. Yeah, but it is it's, my... it's elegantly telegraphed in a way, right. which is like, yeah, I think is just cool. I haven't played it in a deck yet, just because I don't usually do. I don't like being the arch enemy. I love just flying under the radar and like yeah. I the joke with my friends uh, locally is that I always shoot for second place. Because second yeah. place plays as much magic. <laughs> second place plays as much magic as first place. Because we're both just yeah. scooping up after that. So second and first, that doesn't matter to me. So I always yeah. just shoot for second place. It's become so much of a trend or a meme now that like friends will intentionally work to get me in second place, and I'm like, oh no, don't do that. I don't like that. That's not fun. But <laughs> um, so I don't that. personally play approach, but I love when approach like is cast specifically in mono white any other color it's really hard to interact with on the stack and that's i i hate that it's so hard to interact with certain win conditions because Mm. if you can't interact on the stack you can't interact with them yeah but in mono white i mean it's totally fair that's the cool thing about mono white is that like you can play or any mono color for that matter like a lot of mono colors are this way you can play cards and they're at their fairest even though in other decks they'd be completely broken smothering tide's a great example like smothering tide yeah yeah in mono white surprisingly fair like still broken yeah surprisingly fair i think that's okay. all my thoughts on approaching yeah. the Sand sun i hope that was content for you chesh <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it, love it. And, and I mean, actually, on that note, I mean, uh, talking about, I was going to say win cons. Ah, hazy. But uh, shout out to, have you played Jeff on Lexicon yet? Uh, I think I have, actually, but I don't think it was on Lexicon server. I think it was on a different server. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, when you get a chance, um, we don't find him as much in Looking for Game, but um, the, the webcam channel, but on stream, he definitely appears from time to time. Talk to Jeff a bit. He's just absolute uh, heart of gold, a magnificent person. But um, Jeff has the great uh, deck that Chesh loves. Uh, I know he loves it. Uh, the Taser Karlov, uh, it is Orzov. And like you say before, the, the context does change in things when there's a couple of colors there, and I think this one needs to exist. But the whole point of that game is to cast Divine Intervention and take all the counters off it. Um, yep, Yes. <laughs> That's the time. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what's the is, is, is we talking? Uh, what's the etiquette on divine intervention? How would you feel about a win there? Would you have all have a laugh or divine intervention is the one that draws the game, right? Exactly. So yeah. it goes. It's it's a. I mean, it's an eight eight matter enchantment, yeah. and then respect if you pull this off in mono white. So uh, enchantment uh, put two counters on this card. Remove a counter during your upkeep. When you remove the last counter from divine intervention, the the game is over and considered a draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean you can kind no. of telegraph it as well. I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't play it myself, but I love the I love that somebody is out there doing it. <laughs> yeah, and the sure. fact the fact that it draws the game is hilarious. I, I just like, love I just love I I love when games have a narrative and like have a flow to them, yes, right? And exactly. so cards that put a clock, a very obvious clock on the game of like a doomsday, a doomsday button mm-hmm. are just so fantastic to me and i'm rarely the person that plays them i i'm the person i'm the hero trying to stop the doomsday device right yeah with but like i'm like just an ordinary like to my left and right are these superheroes and then i'm the ordinary everyday citizen who's like (laughs) attack with a three three vigilance (laughs) to stop you 
And I'm civilian four. This is a <laughs> citizen. This is a citizen's arrest. Moral support. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go team. Yeah, it's what? like yeah. The event. The Avengers invited the guy on the street, like just to you know. Oh, who's like? It, it's the Jerry Daredevil accounts, movie. Like, the Daredevil movie where a guy just shows up and his name is Peter, and he's like, oh, and they're amazing. like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm Peter." <laughs> that's my uh, yeah my my partner photoshopped me onto that image i should find that and post that on twitter that at some is point. absolutely perfect yeah when, it's when, just like when this episode comes out i'll post that picture because i think that that <laughs> exemplifies my my magic persona pretty well i love that so much <laughs> and uh good good segue let's find out more about peter it's uh <laughs> it's uh, we're gonna talk some great stuff about i mean one why other things but you know what commander means which is always the, the where i want to go but uh yeah it's you know let's dive right into also uh you know the, the fascinating side of of, of everyone is interesting and, and you no exception of of course but uh pineapple and pizza is the uh the first one of course if you've listened to these before what's what's your stance peter uh i don't eat pineapple on pizza but i'm not vehemently against it i, nice. I like the idea i like the concept of Quiet. it i like <laughs> hear me out hear me out i'm not i'm not against it i don't do it but i like the concept i feel like hawaii and pizza it's like skeletons, right? It's death and humor, and they go together, like yeah. with this dissonance. And that's the same way with Hawaiian pizza. Like those don't go together, but somehow they go together, and it's like mm. kind of neat. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't eat that. I don't like pineapple. So well, there you go. Exactly. But uh, you know, that, that's a I reflection on, you. on your kind of attitude towards things too. But you, know, you will absolutely respect the people uh, that do. And yeah, and, and, you still you know, have the your humanity in my eyes. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. You got these up too, Chess? Do you want to read some off as well? Get you involved? I mean, I do. <laughs> what is the, uh, what's your pet card? It might not be the best card, but it's the card that you think is kind of really cool. So I didn't know the answer to this for so long and it frustrated me because I feel like I have a lot of pet cards because I just love finding weird cards and throwing them in decks. I learned what my pet card was. I had the epiphany one day. It's uh, Sigil of the Empty Throne. no. Sigil of the New Dawn. God, I messed it up. How how horrible to mess up your pet card. Sigil of the New Dawn. It's three and a white for an enchantment that whenever a creature dies, you can pay one and a white and return it to your hand. I will throw that in every deck. I will throw it in a deck before I put Sun Titan in a deck. Like Sun Titan is like the white card, right? And I put Sigil Sigil of the New Dawn in before Sun Titan pretty, pretty regularly. I just love the card. There's so many ways to take advantage of it. It's like a, it's a, it's emphasis on your play and how you play it rather than the card mm. doing its thing every time. And so I really love those cards. And that was, um, that was thanks to uh, ultimate masters for reprinting that too. And, and uh, the other one alongside was Dawn charm that I look at both of my, and that's the thing I've just, yeah, this is a time commander Isha is totally the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw them in there and they, they will synergize in ways better than you think. Uh, and I think that's the thing they can look on, on average kind of uh, glance yeah, just a little bit average, whatever, lukewarm. Um, but I think that's where you got to adjust your lenses with, with mono white. I think the effects can be in context so much more powerful and and, and just timely than than they may seem. But yeah. this one for sure. Here's um, my advice: if you wanna if you wanna build a mono white deck, take every preconceived notion you have about commander and deck building and just throw it out the window real quick because that'll it. stop you from building. <laughs> that'll stop you from building a mono white deck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, I mean, I, I touched on it too because I was just looking at the uh, the uncommons from um, uh, 
I was going to say, I was about to say Untitled Masters. Um, Ultimate A classic. <laughs> Untitled Masters. Uh, so, but Dawn Charm as well was that that mono white uncommon uh, as an instant. Do you ever play that? I play that. Oh my God. So I play that in Terranica. It was reprinted in Double Masters. Um, maybe, no. It was reprinted in Commander it Legends, was, yeah. maybe? It was oh, reprinted yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2020. So I got to put it in the deck. I'd never put it in a deck before. Uh, mm. That card is sweet because it's just mm-hmm. every mode is super niche, but they like line up, the niches line up perfectly. So that yeah. the card, like it always feels like gas in your hand. And I'm, I'm a huge, I'm hugely against card, like putting fogs in your deck because it's like, yep. it's a trick that a lot of people do. They put fogs in their deck because, oh, that one time fog saved my life. And I'm like, but did you, did you <laughs> yeah. win the game? Did you really win the game or did you just yeah. survive for Del- one, t- to one turn longer? But uh, I incredible. should change my tune on that because after doing it, like, oh, I felt, it felt so good to have Don Charm. I, I, the game I had it. It totally it saved my hide, and then I was able to crack back for the win. So it's just like I have yeah. to completely change my tune completely on that. And those things exactly. If someone punts all in thinking they've got the win, how good is that? If you you turn it around with the uh, the kind of the Aikido swing back, you know, just take all their energy and then put it back in their face. It's the best. Oh, I but put yeah. it in and the deck course- for the regeneration. Like, oh, I'll regenerate yeah, Terranika yeah. if I swing her and she dies. And it's like, but there's also these two other modes that are super relevant. I love the third one, counter-target spell that targets you. So, oh, yeah. Surprise. Is that... Counter is that uh, where's the... I'm just trying to think of what, like, one of the biggest things that someone could target you with. Um, I don't know. Like something Comets, dumb like a rack. Comet Storm. Yeah, Rakdos Charm. That's good. That's good. Rakdos Return. Yeah. Rakdos Charm. It's just it, it's those uh, niche random effects. That's I mean they create the best stories, right? When it's like yeah, he targeted me with this thing, and I had this perfect card that Surgical no one expected. Response. Yeah, exactly. That you just look like you're such a genius when you do it. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I, again, showing the I power of th- three fairly edge case kind of uh, effects, but. Yeah, you, you multiply those by by the possibilities, by, the possibilities by three, of course, and it's like, oh no, you've pretty much always got play in that card for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna be playing some more Dawn Charm. Love it. Uh, next one was, who would you most like to have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? Just hang out with. Oh gosh. Okay, so um, I know for a fact. So I'm I'm a big history person, and I know for That's a fact right, yeah. I don't I don't want to do it with anybody from history mm-hmm. I'm like i'm out i'm out on that i don't i don't think i could have a good conversation with like benjamin franklin like we're just going to be on two different wavelengths and i don't oh, yeah, want that yeah, I don't, totally. and i'm not like i'm not trying to like interrogate someone i don't want to sit if i'm going to have a beer with somebody i don't want to like inter interrogate them and ask them a bunch of questions so yeah there's an element of like mutuality there. yeah i want it to be just like i want it to be like a fun like a cool experience so who that was a lot of stalling for me to still not have an answer. Um <laughs> uh shoot. Uh let's go Malcolm Brogdon, point guard for the Pacers. He's a Hell really yeah. intel- he's a really intelligent guy. I can pick his I brain agree. about and pick his brain. Ah, you know what? I should have done like Sean McVay or something. Sean McVay would also be a really cool guy to talk to. But I want to talk to somebody that's like Somebody from a time period where I can relate to them and like have a conversation with them, like we're on the same wavelength, and mm. uh, and then so just us- like they're a cool guy to talk to. Yeah, I was gonna or say girl. it's a cool um, guy or girl to talk to. 
So Sean McVay's from the Rams, it looks like. I don't. I yeah, don't yeah, know he's the head coach of the. He's the head coach of oh. the L.A. Rams, but he's like got a photographic memory. Um, he's just a really smart dude, and he's the youngest coach in the NFL by like a lot. He's like thirty-four. Yeah. That's the dynamic like, like, I'm getting there. Like the the Nick Nurse thing we talked about before too. It's like I think it's a general like shift in sports to realize that that establishing culture, and I I think there's a correlation with tend to be younger coaches uh, mm. that kind of get that a little bit more. And rather than the the old dude yelling at the young people, not to say old coaches are bad, like can be bad because they're still great, but it's it's shifting that. The way I saw it was like the Tom Thibodeau type teams. He's still a great coach, yes, but he's got that that uh, is infamous for just like yelling at your players and that kind of stuff. And I don't think there's a dynamic there that is – I think people are realizing that culture means more than anything. And I even see someone actually like actually yeah, warranted Popovich is a bit older, but I think he gets that too. You know, who? like he's, he, he's still harsh, but like, and, and, but critically when he needs to, but he creates that culture. Can I add two more people? Can I, can yeah, I just cheat? Be. I'm just going to, I'm going to name like six or seven. So like, yeah, it's a dinner table. Um, <laughs> let's put these two basketball players. I think that I, so this is courtesy of uh, NBA 2K. That's I play a lot oh, of man. sports video games. I just love sports video games. And every time they have the guest appearance for the commentators, they have Kobe Bryant and Kevin Garnett. And I like turn up the volume just to listen. Even though I've heard it a thousand times, mm, I love mm. listening to those guys talk. Like They're just two hyper-intelligent people um, and passionate, from, with I a think. totally different yeah. experience than, than I have. So like yeah, mm. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, those two, two more additions. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, it's. I was just thinking, who else? Like the weird ones. Bill Walton shows up, and and everyone just kind of loves how weird that dude is. Like, oh <laughs> uh, like, yeah, uh, Bill Simmons. Yeah. Bill Simmons. Uh, Bill Simmons is fantastic. Like I love Bill Simmons. Yeah, I I need to listen to more of his stuff. And also, my friend said, read the Big Book of Basketball is a really he, great one. He has a um, podcast. So I listen to the Book of Basketball two point It's a podcast. Um, yeah, and he just he's like it's like an update to all of it, and that podcast is like oh I love it because it's just going back and reflecting on the career of individual players and it's just yeah exquisite. See, it's funny that you should mention that because I'm sitting here and I'm like, what what are we talk? What am I? Why is this triggering something in my head? Yeah, um, and it's because of uh, the Bill Simmons podcast and their new one. Sports cards. Nonsense. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. just started a sports card one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember bringing that up with you, like, But I listened to Bill Simmons. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Is that where I'm getting this from? Is Bill Simmons a podcast? Yeah. Yes, he is. Absolutely, <laughs> and has been for a very, very long time. One of the most very respected voices. But yeah, I, just I've to... only just started listening to him within the last month. Yeah, um, I, and I, I highly recommend just digging up his old stuff too. But yeah, he's he been great enjoying voice it? as well. Great voice. Um, yeah, it's, it's not. Mm, it's not my cup of tea, but yeah. it's not bad per se it's just kind of yep okay their thing too i think they're carving out a new kind of thing and figuring out where they take it with the sports card thing too i think they're getting gary v on next week or something i heard as well um it's going to be interesting and that's the thing it's like they're big enough anyway to start off get gary v on like bang but um speaking about sports cards yeah and and specifically about the um i don't know if you're watching the box score for celtics at the moment Nope. Let's uh, let's, let's do it live, listeners. Let's smashed. see what's going on. They're getting smashed by the clips. Um, cool, cool. Well, they, no no Jalen Brown, right? Point. They, they, they <laughs> don't have right. Jalen Brown. So here's the thing. Once they entered quarter three, 
Um, yeah. They ended up picking back up. So they're in quarter three at the moment. They were behind like 15 points at one point. Yeah. And now they are one point behind. Do you want to know why? Because I see now and possibly what you're alluding to is, first of all, of the top minutes played is Carson Edwards, 25 minutes, 13 <laughs> points. Oh, Purdue, Purdue so, guy. So, Purdue guy. Yeah, Purdue. My, Boilermaker. My, my, Purdue, my player. Chesh owns, I think, nearing on 200 Carson Edwards rookie cards. Uh, 226. <laughs> Actually, sorry, 227. I just bought a Chronicles uh, RPA for $17 with free posts. People said he was crazy. Why do you like Carson Edwards? And he's like, oh, I just Actually, sorry. <laughs> Update, plus one. I just won for $22 a Carson Edwards Hoops hot rookie auto. See this dedication, listeners. When uh, when we talk about stuff, Chesh is here buying stuff on eBay of Carson Edwards. So, uh, they yeah, just need Brad Stevens. Just needs to put the fan favorites on the basketball court, and the Celtics will win yeah. games. Taco Fall, Carson Edwards. Yeah. Get Romeo time Langford uh, on there. I want to see more Romeo Langford. Yeah, you know, some time who, who needs Robert Tatum Will- and Brown Robert when Williams. you have when you have the fan favorites? Uh, yeah. Pritchard, Pritchard's more play time for Pritchard. I think he's injured, but. Just send him hey, out there with more, one leg. More playtime for Pritchard. Like, Pritchard came in and took my boy's spot. They can play together. Time, but... Two guards. Well, they, can, they can do it. Yeah, CJ McCollum, guards, Damian work. Lillard. It's now going to be Pritchard and Edwards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, Campbell. No, Kem- I, just, I just thought I'd provide that little update because I was, I was looking at the box score and I'm like, oh, my boy. Yeah, they're, they're up by two now. Uh, yeah, it was. It's a close game, seventy-seven, seventy-nine. So, uh, yeah. on their way back against the Clips. I'm really happy about that. The Clippers, the Clippers blowing a lead. Who would have thought it? Who could believe that? Yeah. yeah. Well, look, because usually it's usually it's um, uh, usually it's the Celtics kind of like absolutely screwing themselves every time they make it to the third quarter, Mm-mm. and then they start absolutely getting smashed by whoever the hell they're playing. Because they just fall apart. So, I mean, let's, I let's just be honest here. Well, that was a good aside. I love it. Anyway, we'll see how that game ends. We uh, Maybe by the end of recording, we might have a winner. But uh, oh, no, it's third quarter. Who knows? Probably. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Um, thanks for that basketball chat, though. That's great. Uh, what's your video game Hall of Fame, Peter? Like, okay. It could be one. It could be five. Whatever. You go um, nuts. So... I'm very picky about my video games. I don't. I don't have a mm. long attention span when it comes to video games. Yeah, um, I can definitely I have, feel that these days. I have a couple rules. So one, there can't be a tutorial. Like you have to teach me the game by playing the game. Ah, you're a Dark Souls fan. And two, and two, you have to have a minimum use of cutscenes. If I wanted to watch a movie, I'd watch a movie. I want to play a video. <laughs> game. So uh, nice. my my Hall of Fame is uh, at the very top is the game limbo which oh. is like a it's a yeah, yeah, plat- yeah. it's a platformer puzzle game um it was a 10 out of 10 on steam i believe for sure um yeah, it's, it's yeah, a phenomenal it's, game it's it's like i remember there somebody put a tweet out there what's like what's the video game moment that'll stick with you forever and the ending of limbo was my pick that yeah. i still think about that and it, it tears me up a little bit that was such a good and there's no dialogue it's just just this quiet yeah. like ending. Um, it's the um, it's the elegant. I'll touch on it very quickly, but it's like you say the elegant uh, like breaking of conventions for video games, whatever. Like not doing what all the other games do because it's expected, and it's how you think users are going to use it. And it's like no, 
you can almost like I like to even put like the way an IKEA uh, manual is designed with the smiling guy assembling the furniture with no words. It's that's mm-hmm. the how elegant that is. You just get dropped into this game and you play. And it gives you a moment to go, you can press a button back forth and you're figuring it out. And I, I imagine all the testing that they would have done to like make this as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing. And I think that game influenced a lot of other games to go, well, guess what? Maybe you don't have to hold everyone's hand and maybe you can make them learn, more, like allow people to learn more organically rather than reading some prompts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like it's just, I remember the first boss, like, you literally walk up. It, it's very Dark Souls-esque. You walk up and it mm. kills you right away, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. learn, okay, I made a mistake. <laughs> how do I fix that? Like, that's wrong. How do I fix it? The funny thing is, is I, I love Dark Souls. I love the world of Dark Souls. I love watching people play Dark Souls and talking about it. I love talking about anything that anyone's passionate about because yeah yeah i'll just i i just i can get into anything i can get into absolutely anything if you care about it i'll i'll care about it i'm with you yeah and dark souls uh i can't play it though it takes too long to play i have about a 30 and that's why i love sports games so much i have about a 30 yeah. minute to an hour long window of where i can play a game i like playing shooters um i really like yep. titanfall but i can get about two matches and then i'm good i'm like i'm done mm. that was stressful like i'm stressed out now and uh, i'm just gonna set that down and uh do something else <laughs> but that was fun that was a good time <laughs> No, I agree with that completely, and it's it's kind of gets you in the command um, idea too. Like how how much time do you have, and you uh, even what you're doing investigating before, how much time do I have to play my game and get as much game, uh, you know, that of good positive gameplay in there uh, that that has a bit of everything in that time kind of thing. And again, mm-hmm. it's not to be too like the other end of the scale is there the four the the turn three. Like we're done, shuffle up ten minutes, and it's like no, that's one a bit longer than that kind of thing. But yeah, the sports game thing definitely. Like I, I've thought about that, and I play a little bit of two K. But yeah, you go. I've got an hour. Like here's a game. Go. Like it's yeah. nice. And the the exception to my like one hour thirty minute rule is if the game is because I if the game is multiplayer, I can play mm. it for hours. Like I uh, I played Super Smash Brothers. I would play for hours and hours and hours. Just keep playing with my friends. Uh, and uh, Mario Party. I had I had a group of friends my freshman year of oh. college. We got super into Mario Party. Like we would play it like three or four times a week, and like we were like outlining the strategies. Like here's exactly oh what you have God. to do to win. Like in Mario Party is supposedly random, but we yeah. we definitely were strategizing about how we played Mario because you learn the maps and you learn the chances and you learn what different items are good and bad. Uh, Mario I would Party love to see that 7. people that are good at Mario Party. It's just like weird. Competitive kind of like, Mario Party. Let's do it. Let's make it wow. happen. Wow. Oh, that's so hot. It's like, that's, that's, it's so funny too, because I always make the joke and I played a ton of it uh, that you can be in the lead, much like Mario Kart. Uh, and yep. uh, yeah, just seemingly randomly, Toad just comes up and goes, "I didn't like your style, so you're last now." <laughs> and it's just like, whoa! He just blue shells you, you know. Like he's just he seems to reward people for doing other weird, random, uh, intangible things, and then also just lim- um, taking away stars at the end as well. And this is, I mean, I can only speak for I think Mario Party One. I know there's been like eleven of them, but um, yeah, that's so, that's a time. So I'll say there were two of us, myself and another friend of mine, were the best ones at the mini games. And we won <laughs> fairly consistently. So there is some skill element to oh, yeah. Mario Party. Much like Magic, there's a skill element, but there's a, there's variance involved. In Mario Party, it's a <laughs> lot of variance that you can see very clearly. Yes, In Magic, yeah. you know, you have as the 
builder of the deck have a chance to decrease the variance and then sometimes the variance is more subtle and you don't think about it um, yeah but it's right. still it's still a there's still a skill involved and that's why you see players that are repeatedly good in competitive the competitive scene that's why you see players that are repeatedly good doing well because there's a skill there but there's also a lot of variance mm. what i'm saying Did is you, like uh... i'm good at mario party come at me <laughs> <laughs> exactly so do i do you have do you have the scars to prove it do you have the uh, do you have the scab on your hand? Uh, the 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 part. Did you where you the, where you the, like the, spin the, the analog? Yes, stick? Yes, you know the one. You know no, the one. So I don't the, have the like ghost. the stigmata from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, we played we played a lot of Mario Party Seven, which was on GameCube. So like the oh the, nice. The they, joysticks, they this joystick technology had advanced to that point. <laughs> they, so like... they did improve that one. <laughs> so I remember how funny that was. I had a friend uh, who just went ham at it and it tried to. It was the yeah the like you say the spinning the joystick on the. I'm pretty sure it was the uh, the booze, the ghosts mm-hmm. uh, chasing you while you're trying to um, ride the bicycle and light the the light bulb. I'm doing a really bad yep. job of explaining this. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just like... It all sounds the, like spin. nonsense, but I can I can understand it. Oh, yeah, and I remember I remember the drama of it and the, uh, how, how wrong it was, and it's, uh, it's kind of spooky. But yeah, and that one, and I'm pretty sure the other one was if you've got to fill up the Bowser balloon. And, yeah. uh, oh, no, yeah. maybe that was up and down anyway. But yeah, so the, naturally you go from using your thumb to go, I can do this faster with my palm. <laughs> And you're just hacking the hacking the, the old uh, Nintendo 64 joystick to the point where yeah people had scabs on their hands and it's like that's like blisters and Here's like the- this is physical like intervention into our game and it's nuts and I think even at one stage Nintendo were like we're gonna release some gloves <laughs> to come out with <laughs> Mario Party. <laughs> Here's my secret tip that uh, I learned one so the school I went to was primarily a medical school so yep. uh, I I was a history major at a school full of people that were like studying biology and planning to become doctors but That's right. one of the people I played with was in biology and or they were in the medical career the trick to those games where you have to press the button really fast like be the first person to press the button you hold yeah. the controller up to your lips and your lips <laughs> will feel the vibration before your hands do so that's the secret. That's what? the secret trick. Yeah. So if you hold it up to your lips, he beat us all the time, and we're like, "How? What are you doing? Why are you holding it up to your mouth?" And he's like, "My lips will feel the vibration," and he would beat us every time when he did that. So definitely, just hold the. If you ever are in that situation, hold it up to your lips so that you can feel the vibration. Oh my god! You heard he he first uh, top pro tips for Mario Party. That's that's excellent. That's uh, yeah. That's what people came for, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, next one was, I don't think I've talked to you about music one bit. Uh, could you recommend us an album? You did talk to me about music. Uh, did I? Okay. Yeah, the Maybe tweet you yeah. said, it, it was a very <laughs> brief conversation, but you said, uh, I was suggesting decks for EDH homunculus. And I was like, you yeah, should play yeah. Timna, Timna and the Lizard and make it Mardu combat <laughs> stuff. That's and right. you're like, Timna and the Lizard, that sounds like a great shoegaze name. And then you re-triggered in my brain that I love shoegaze. I, that Hell is my, yeah. So my two favorite bands are the Mountain Goats, who if yep. you don't follow the Mountain Goats, go to Twitter, love follow them. the Mountain Goats. John Darnell plays Magic. It's awesome. That's, I was going to say, they've got something to do with Magic. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And Radiohead. And so yeah, I'm nice. now convinced Respect. that the intersection of the Mountain Goats and Radiohead is shoegaze. And uh, yeah. so that brings me to the band I'd recommend uh, is Galaxy 500. If you want to listen to an album, mm-hmm. listen to On Fire. That album is fantastic. 
Um, it's like just as a cohesive unit of an album, it just works really well. But if you want to listen to one song that's just, in my estimation, a perfect song, listen to Tugboat mm-hmm. by Galaxy 500. Great Noted. song. Phenomenal. I that's, love it. Oh. That's my music recommendation. And that's I thanks to Tim, Tim and the Lizard. Tim and the Lizard. Ah, oh, thanks, Tim and the Lizard. I also said as like a breakfast radio duo that like that would just be like Tim and Lizard. Tim and the Lizard. Breakfast in the mornings. Drive to work with Tim and the Wizard. The Wizard. Yeah, exactly. The Lizard. And I just, I just want to point out to people at home that if you're listening, don't at us about that choice. Which one? I hang on a second. Let me get through this this bit. Trust me. <laughs> I understand that people's likes are subjective, yep. but this is his like, not yours. <laughs> so don't add us. Also, I understand that David Bowie's Cactus was a very good song. Doesn't mean it's the be all and end all. <laughs> but it was good. Exactly. That's what that it's totally all about. went over my head, Chesh. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, me too. We've got a listener who absolutely loves David Bowie, and every time we do this section, particular listener you know who you are jay um, <laughs> yeah hits me up and says but it's not as good as this bowie song and it's like come on dude seriously every time every time I th- someone said david bowie was, i think it was booster tutor yeah yeah i yeah, said uh rise and fall of ziggy stardust which is just an absolutely outstanding album for sure but uh yeah I'm, I'm keen to give galaxy 500 another world that they have popped up uh quite a few times on on the old spotify uh, weeklies and stuff like that. Know the album cover That's very, awesome. very well. That's awesome. Um, also, Don't get love them confused with fight with Power Man Five Thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally different. Uh, <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Just like a heads up, you have to really like just a cacophony of noise. If oh yeah, you do yeah. like that. That's the thing about shoegaze is like. Or learn uh, to and love I, it. <laughs> it's just I love things. I love things that are repetitive that you can latch onto, and then are just yeah. like a cacophony of repetitive noise. And that's essentially what shoegaze is. So it's like absolutely perfect. My partner hates it. <laughs> She's like, yeah. "This is horrible." Well, radio, um, especially like you, I don't think I can think of any more textural sound in a way. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's that's like audio art is the way I see it. When my synesthesia kind of kicks in, the crap that my brain is seeing it's like whoa it's good times um so yeah anyway next one was do you have your cursor there chesh you're still watching the game of course i'm watching your uh cursor (laughs) there you go fire it off uh what is the best magic art in your opinion and please don't say it's earthbind oh god the best magic card in my opinion yes no no the art art Oh, best art. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so much yeah, easier. I was like, is everybody just saying Black Lotus? I know. Okay, I, best... I, I listened to an old episode and I realized Brandon thought I said best magic card. And I was like, oh. <laughs> best, oh. best magic art. Okay, art. best magic art's super easy. Uh, it's Dakon Blackblade by Richard <laughs> Kane Ferguson. Yeah. Richard Kane yeah. Ferguson's the best magic artist and Dakon Blackblade's the best magic art. I mean, that's easy as that. Oh, Fair. totally. Uh, recommend us a movie. Uh, there Will Be Blood favorite movie oh yeah i daniel day lewis is it yeah i'm a i'm a thespian so if you want to oh the thing i love about that movie is you really see how two actors can battle it out as actors in a movie and paul Mm -hmm. deneau versus daniel day lewis from an acting perspective is just phenomenal viewing entertainment like it's just so amazing there's a scene where they are coming at each other 
across an oil field. Like the oil has spilled across the field and they're running at each other. And there's just so many good shots like this. They're running at each other. Mm. And like you can, I, I genuinely feel that like not only do the characters hate each other, but Paul Dano and Daniel Day-Lewis are trying to fight to see who gets to be the star of this movie. And yeah. they're about to fight with each other. Like, ah, I love the movie. That's easy. There will be blood. Excellent. Excellent. Love that dynamic too. Exactly. Like when there's another like level to it that you can actually really, really feel that for sure. This one's a funny one. I don't know. Yeah. We never know how this one's going to go down, but uh, we just roll with it anyway. Do you have a, do you have a, a Pokemon that you relate to? That I relate to? Yeah. Um, I would like favorite, but yeah. No, I like to. the idea of the Pokemon that I relate to. Yeah. Snorlax? <laughs> yeah, that's been used before. That's me. No, somebody, G3, I think it was, said uh, mm. Ash's Pikachu. And damn it, <laughs> yeah. that's not the best answer. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I used to play Pokemon Yellow, and you got to have a Pikachu follow you around. And the Pikachu yeah. was super sassy, just like Ash's Pikachu. But yeah, I love Pikachu through and through. Um, also I, a so- I, solid Smash character, too. Oh, it's the character I play in Smash. Remember, I like go. repetitive things. And <laughs> the, the, Pikachu, the, 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 Pikachu I just neutral things. B. I just neutral B the entire time, yeah. and then I just intersperse different moves in between the neutral B. So I'm doing. So, so I love things by like neutral that. B. Do you mean down and B, and the so the lightning bolt from the sky? No, no, no. I do. Oh, the other so one. I do just this the plain the lightning bolt, bolt and oh, I just yeah. spam that. No. Yeah. I just oh. spam the plain lightning bolt, and then I just do a bunch of aerial attacks in between that, and it's just uh, I love. I love it's, it's poetry and dance. <laughs> I love things that are just a repetitive action that like I think it's indicative of like me as a larger person like I love structure. Mm. And then I like working within that structure, right? So like <laughs> give me the structure that I need to work in and then let me be creative within that contained structure. And There's that's a flow that's there. Pikachu as a smash character. <laughs> yeah. It's so the way I play Samus too, charge up a a, a ball uh, dance between, but like everything's running around that central fulcrum of mm-hmm. charging up an energy ball, which is really interesting. Um, that's funny you say that. Are you a musician at all? No, I. I so I, I feel like those qualities almost might lend them to. I mean, certain kinds, but yeah, that's, I, yeah. Hmm, I can I've been in musicals before. I yep. play around on guitar and ukulele, but I'm not a musician. Like I'm not. Mm good at those things i just they are like a relaxer for me and they're just something to learn like i yeah i i'm not good at ukulele but i for some reason can persist through it to try and learn how to play a song and i might mm. not play it very well but it's just you know something it's a something where i'm at point b and it's a challenge to get to point c i don't know why i started mm. on b but I'm at <laughs> one point and I'm trying to get to the next point and I don't know. For some reason I, I can do that and play around on different things. But I would not classify myself as a musician at all. No, that's cool, that's cool. And uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting too. It's uh and maybe it's the type of thing too. I mean, I feel like I I wish I could do more musically, but I I just have to be cool with the fact that I just absorb a lot of it and don't really contribute. But um, yeah, interesting. I, I um, mean, just the way your brain works, I think it'd be yeah, really interesting. There's totally but, a value uh, to just like learning from something, right, and absorbing it all. Like yeah, and also think- not putting a standard on it that you have to be something. I think that's the biggest thing I've found. That like I mean, oh, they have this weird. Like, oh, I'm learning to do this so I can be at this level. It's like, no, it doesn't. You don't have to be at a level. It's for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. 
the last one was, and I think to round it out very, very well in, in the uh, the profile section. And, and thanks so much for uh, kind of giving us insights into the way, uh, again, it's just so you're you continue to fascinate me, Peter. You got, uh, yeah. That's why we get along very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like you yeah, guys same. need to shut up. Um, <laughs> in just a few words, surround it all out. What does magic mean to you? Uh, so I thought I knew this question was coming, right? Because I listened to the podcast, <laughs> so I thought about it for a long time, and I think uh, I just sum it up in one word: that magic for me is is passion, which is mm. not is not a white mage thing to say at all, right? Mm. And I think it like lends itself to like at my heart, I think I'm a red mage who's always hated the fact that I'm a red mage. Like I don't like, (laughs) I don't like the emotional, the like very heavily emotional side of me because it can manifest in a lot of different ways. I can be extremely excited and happy about it. And, and with magic, Mm. it's the same way, you know, you can be passionate in a lot of different ways Um, and you can be passionate about a lot of different things in magic. And I kind of had this thought during the week of just, there's, there's nothing that's just something magic's more than just a game and everything we do is more than just something. Nothing's just a joke or just a Mm. job. Like there's more to it. It it affects you in a variety of ways. I think it's so disrespectful when we tell, you know, a a football player that you're just a football player, stick to football. Or like we say that somebody like that's just a movie there. Don't read any more into it. Like that's so insulting to the creator of that thing that everyone that they can only be a movie create, like they can only be a director or producer and that they can't extend that into more facets of their life. And that's like what magic is. That's what this whole podcast is about. That's what I love about this podcast. It's just all the ways the passion of magic affect the entire our our entire lives and how all of our interests interconnect through different means and and why we're passionate about this game that is more than just a game. Yeah, and because and the C word a lot. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, put <laughs> that in there. Thanks for not, mate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you chip. Yes, it's it's just I I always go back to a thing that uh, that really kind of echoes. Uh, we'll get some David Bowie content in here, but that that I've said it before. But the thing that David Bowie always taught me is just like be uh, not forcefully, but inspired me very organically just to be try and find exciting things in everything. And that I feel like is what life is about for me. It's like if I'm not doing that, then it's all not really worth it. And you know, it's just like there's. Just finding delight and 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 pockets of 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 you know, uh, like you say, it's passion. It's it's just interest. Like everything is interesting uh, as best you possibly can. And and like, yeah, I love that point you made. It's like you could totally listen to someone if they're passionate about something. And that was kind of my point of trying to cultivate here. That it's like I want to learn about new things. A lot of people shut them themselves off to go. I don't want to listen to it because I don't know or you know aren't interested into it. They've kind of just predetermined that and it's like well how are you ever going to develop or like get interested in anything new uh that's the point like it's oh you've got to be you guys be talked open about to listen wrestling. to different things you guys talked about wrestling on a podcast oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and i i mean that just hit home for me as someone who i don't i don't understand wrestling i i've tried neither, to talk neither. to people about wrestling like i it's just it's not something that's for me, but understanding like why, like why wrestling's enjoyable and what people yeah. get from it, and seeing that like, well, that's really in and talking to other people, it's been the same way. That's really not that different from enjoying a play 
or enjoying a exactly. football game or anything else. Like it's it's a performance, and that's yeah. that's what it is. And it's just like it it cleared up that fog in my mind of like I don't understand what this thing is. And you guys just like hit it out of the park. It's like get your head out of your ass. Am I I allowed to say that? (laughs) No, no, absolutely. You you didn't, uh, as if you didn't tell, but uh, Chesh swears like a sailor, but um, (laughs) that's fine. And and we make no apologies. But yeah, it's the same here. I think wrestling was almost as close as that kind of thing that I've, uh, I've known about in the past, but I also like, it's as close as I can get to something. I'm like, ah, that's uh, not really for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the way Chesh put that a few weeks ago was like, one of the best things because it all came off like we're saying i think i spilled on or something about what really kind of gets me uh fired up and and annoyed that's frustrated is is when people completely dismiss something so heavily uh when when you like you say there's people involved in every facet of this thing you're just diminishing someone's passion and like as in it's like as in it's nothing it's absolutely nothing it's worthless and it's like that that drives me with so much rage and i'm like yeah i may think that wrestling's not really so much for me but i'll never ever go oh it's just trash like it's just like you know that i just i don't know i'm so frustrated by people putting things down somebody talk about wrestling like even if i don't like wrestling i can enjoy listening to somebody relate wrestling to their life right yeah because that's all these passions we have they relate to our life and they impact us in some way and they change the way we think about the world like magic helping me realize that i have to control the things i can control and not like the things i can't control i can't worry about and that's magic's variance and i've learned that and i've applied it to my own life or at least tried to of hey this bad thing happened what are the things i could have done to control to make sure this bad thing didn't happen and mm. instead of just assuming that it's a random chance and it's random fate that this bad thing happened to me. And so, I mean, it's the same with anything. Like, it, it applies to so much more. Why Why would I play a game just to win the game and get no reward, right? Mm. Like, you're, you're getting, you're going to get a reward. There has to be a reason for you to play and sit down and play Magic other than just, mm. I want to complete and win this game. Because you get nothing from it besides like maybe a dopamine rush of like yeah victory but that's mm. it shit so there's always something more. I, don't, I don't swear often on this podcast but yeah that one is a mic drop dude like that is absolutely like the best punctuation for you to finish on ever like it's just yeah i'm speechless when it's when you think about it that way it's every like the amount of analogies you get from this game and and when they actually the power of it to to sit there like to for them to change the way you might approach real life situations that's bigger than richard garfield ever intended (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it oh yeah infinite respect dude that is that's excellent and and what a point to finish on for sure love it I know it's you. a bit of a moment of silence for that one. That was great. Uh, <laughs> Chesh, oh, you, you guys made it happen. Stuff. You guys made it happen. Oh, this thank is, That's you, because thank you. you guys made this podcast and started and, talking and, to people. And that's the thing too. I think I didn't. I didn't touch on it before too. That's like uh, I also I'm very very wary of always breaking down those walls if ever possible that people think. Oh no! It's just these like content creator friends and like the secret club they're part of and everything. I hate that stuff. I absolutely hate any form of gatekeeping or exclusivity, whatever. And it's the point where I think my favorite people 
in this community that I've met are not strictly the magic creators, quote unquote. And you create for yourself. You are absolutely a creator. I hate the whole definition. What's someone a creator and what they're not? And I'm, I don't see myself as a creator. I just talk some words each week. Uh, it's, it's, there's it, not, you can be part of this community without making anything for it except for just being there. And yes. that's the important part. And I just want to preface that for anyone like looking from the, like perceivably from the outside in going, I'm not part of this. It's just these people that, you know, this cool club. It's like, that's absolute bullshit. Like it's just send a message, like, you know, get amongst it and, and, and just try and like promote these qualities kind of thing. And, and that's like I say, it's, you know, we are talking to some of the people that people see as, you know, these really established content creators and, and things. It's like, I just want to see them as people and I want to see everyone on that same level kind of thing. So, yeah. I don't know yeah, why. That brings me to a point of um, every time that somebody approaches me at an event or something and says, I wish I could do what you do. I'd love to do a deck tech. You know what? Do it. Break out your phone. Get a little uh, yeah. Oki tripod and just sift through your deck and explain what your deck does. And how it wins and some cool cards and bingo, yeah. deck tech, and be- it's not. Um, and, and you can do it. And you don't have to be a content creator. You might just want to no. bang out a couple of videos because you think it's you've got a cool deck and you want people to see it. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's it's hard going getting eyes on, but, like, we're, we're always going to have on people that interest us. People, people that, you know, we're not going to gatekeep and be all like, well, you have to be a content creator. I mean, yeah. it's the reason why we, we've had people from the community that are upstanding members of the community because it's like, you know, we, we want the people who embody the same amount of passion and love that we have for the game, um, the same amount of passion and love that we have for other people, you yeah. know, i.e. not shit people. <laughs> Just to, like, exactly. come on and, and shoot the shit and have some fun because at the end of the day... If you're not having fun, then hun, why are you doing it? Yeah, and I think that's it. I've seen some like some pretty harrowing moments when people are like, oh, looking at my views this week, they're down, blah blah blah. I'm like, that's that's hard to look at. Don't try not to look at it. Like it just the internet's weird. Like don't they're they're not the engaging stats. I guess is is the way I want to put it. It's like the 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 pl- the times you play commander with your friends or you know just talk to your friends like organically when you didn't feel like you had to, but you did because you wanted to. That's what it's about at the end of the day. So yeah, that's kind of the pre- the 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 pressure or lack thereof I want to put on what we do as well because I don't know, it's more than one person listens to this and that's all I could ever ask and that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, and Peter's here. Like it's you get to talk to that's why you, that's Peter. why you had it's a co-host, best. right? So that more than one person would listen to it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I don't listen to it. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, Sam throws me the episode before it goes up. I listen to like the first maybe 20 minutes and I'm like, yep, sounds good. Thumb emoji. <laughs> oh, no, you, I get the love emoji. I'm, it's great. I'm always, I, and look, I'm always busy, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I've, I, I guess... The one thing I want people to understand is that's not an aside or a slight against anyone we have on or to my co-host. It's just a fact that I am literally here and I have literally had this conversation and I don't need to listen to this conversation again because <laughs> I was here and I'm a part of the bloody conversation. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 
All right. So as I was saying, entertaining Chesh. We're going to get into. We're going to sign off with our uh, our non magic media that's had our taste and attention this week. Uh, and feel free to chime in here uh, here too, Peter, because uh, so I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Start us off actually, because maybe you're the person that talks about One Division this this week, and maybe maybe Chesh. Shuts up about it, and can, can uh, I, I don't know. Positive Wait. spin to Wandavision, so I, I would yeah, like I'll, that as a, as a rebuttal. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a, it was I, huge, I don't know the right word. I know that Ch- I know Chesh's feelings on Wandavision because I <laughs> listen to the podcast. But I really, as someone who stopped following the MCU, uh, doesn't not a huge fan of the general superhero genre. It's not my cup of tea, really. Uh, mm. I absolutely love WandaVision. Me and my partner uh, have watched every episode like the day it comes out. Uh, the newest episode, so that would be episode five, is a complete banger. Like, just phenomenal episode. I was like in my seat, like pumping my fist at the end of it. I was so, I was so excited. Um, and the thing I like about it is I can just sit down and... I'm. I think I'm someone who one of my strengths is I'm very patient. I let mm. things just come to me. I don't. When I learn something, I can spend an entire class learning something, not understand any of it, and then the last minute something will be said and it'll all click for me. And I love mm. that in my media too. Like you don't have to explain anything to me, as long as in the last ten minutes of whatever production you're making you explain everything and tie it all together and then i'll be super satisfied but other Mm. than that i'm just along for the experience and so many of the my favorite part of wandavision right now and they did it quite a bit in this most recent episode is i love the use of the laugh track in it because especially in the first episode i pay attention if you're watching it to the use of the laugh track because you hear the laugh track and you feel like you're supposed to laugh there's a laugh track it's a sitcom but the tone of the entire show is like something's wrong, right? Mm. So you're like, why am I laughing? Wait, why are we like the whole show is like you're experiencing it from that standpoint of the person being distracted, the hand being waved in your face. You don't know what's going on. You're trying to be distracted from the real problem that's happening. And so the ex- I think the experience that they've created is ties really well into the show. So that's my defense of WandaVision. Chesh, tear into me. <laughs> Everyone's unique and they're going to have their own unique view. I still think it's too slow. And I'm not, I need to preface this because I did have a couple of questions about this to which I had to respond, I don't give a shit for action. I don't. I really don't, right? I can take or to leave it, that's fine. Um, superhero stuff isn't just about smash thump mm-hmm. big explosion you know what i like is i like the the drama i like uh you know certain conversations and, and i especially love to see people's motives that we kind of started to get to see right yeah uh, but then uh, right at the end they threw in that thing that we can't talk about because spoilers mm-hmm. that was just like why and you know what i'm talking about why yeah i definitely i definitely can respect to just like your i love the thing you said where it may have been better to have the whole thing so that you could watch it at the pace you're comfortable with because right now you're anyway but yeah you're forced to be comfortable like like i'm very comfortable not knowing anything and i don't look too deep into anything i watch until the end Mm. like i absorb it all and then i analyze it and 
it sounds like Chesh, you're more of somebody who wants to like understand it and, and unravel it and, and peer into it as you're kind of watching it. As I'm going, correct. Yeah. That's why I love The Mandalorian, because right. even though it was brought out on a weekly basis, almost every one of those episodes either is its own self-contained story or explains itself as it goes. Mm-hmm. Like, it has extremely good storytelling in the fact that, like, they're not serving it up on a platter and making it really easy for you under- to understand, but they're giving you enough of the bits and pieces that you can start to, like, put things together as it's going along, you can start seeing the bigger picture. This doesn't have the bigger picture. Now, somebody actually made a comment to me uh, this week about this, saying, perhaps you just don't remember how to watch TV, to which I responded with, I've known you for 30 years, and you liked Seinfeld. Please explain that to me again. Because it's it's that exact same thing of... It's the commander thing. It's like, oh, this is the way you have to play. And it's like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, like everyone absorbs TV differently. And that's that great point I made again. It's like I heard Mr. Weber say a few weeks ago, he's like, I can't watch thrillers. I'm <laughs> just like ridden with anxiety. It just doesn't gel with the way I process things. It's like, that's, yeah. And that's fine. But from a, a story point of view, yeah, which is how my brain is attacking it, my, my brain is like, this is terrible writing, right? Like there's, don't get me wrong, but there is some really cool stuff in there. Absolutely. But the structure of each quote unquote self-contained episode, which it's not, is the problem that my brain is having. Mm. The major problem is the fact that in, so if you roll it back to things like family ties, right? What what was the current episode based on? Family Matters. Thank you. Family Matters. I love, that was my favorite show growing up. Yeah. Each one of those shows had its structure for that episode. Very rarely did you get, like, a, an episode that was a two-parter, right? Where you'd have, like, some sort of cliffhanger. And and even when you did, you were getting the story as you went along. Um, with this, it feels like they're trying to do that, but they're missing the point on what what were you supposed to learn from this episode, you know? Instead, oh, they're just, like, throwing a whole bunch of questions. So you're actually not coming away from that with that same experience that, that they're trying to tug on those nostalgia strings by going, here's this sitcom. That's interesting. I do like that of, because for me, the thing that the storytellers do really well in this series is like, they are creating an experience for you. That's supposed to be distorting and uncomfortable and unnerving and not feel right, but also feel like homey and, and kishy. And like, uh, it's supposed to feel, like comforting like a sitcom would, but also not right at all. But that's a really good point that the thing it's missing is at the end of every episode, it's supposed to be, and here's the moral we learned from, you know, this episode. And that mm-hmm. is something they have. I really like that. I think that the story would have been better served had they made that change. Definitely. Correct. Of just yeah, trying did- to do a moral at the end of every episode. Yeah. They kind of tried it with this particular episode which got lost in everything else. Right, because it wasn't at the and end. It was kind of like weirdly in the middle. And I did like what they did there. but I, I, I did as well, especially much. the overtones. And we're, we're obviously going to, yes. for you out there, we're not going to spoil this for you. <laughs> but once you see it, you will understand what we're talking about. We're being extremely vague now. But the lesson to be learned was in the middle of the episode instead of at the end. So they're actually breaking away from what it is they're trying to actually do with the episodes, which is 
just just grates on my nerves because it's like you know you put that at the end because that fulfills <laughs> the audience and that says to the audience this is the lesson that you were supposed to learn from this mm. but because of what happens it's extremely unsettling and putting that at the end knowing bits of the story isn't just going to go holy crap that made me f- feel really unnerved it's the fact that it, it, it's the paradigm where um the hero of the story the 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 no, technically the narrate the narrator of the story it's not really like a narrator but it, it silent narrator i guess that you could call wonder um does a thing and has done a thing and you learn about this thing and it's like what no no but putting that right at the end of the story would be even more poignant than chucking it in the middle and getting it buried in everything else mm. <sighs> oh, that's fair fair i love it well, i haven't watched yeah. any yet so i'm i'm actually uh I'm, I'm actually pretty keen to now that's become a little bit contentious but yeah seeing a lot of other praise but uh accepting that everyone's digesting it differently and i think it's also the point there cheshire no, i will warrant it's like there is a you know if you see 10 people loving something oh it's the best then there is an instinct to go for a lot of people oh i love this thing and it's like well you don't have to like you can totally critique it like it's it's fine so i think it's healthy as well anyway. well that's what i've always loved like i've it's not that like i've always got against the grain Mm. Um, but I've, I've always had this like, well, 10 people might like it, but I'm going to judge it for myself. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not easy for everyone. I know that, um, it's a social thing, you yeah. know, it, it's something that it's, it's a part of the social construct that is yeah. you know, kind of built into humans. Well, um, we work in and, packs. And, exactly. Yeah. I usually yeah, go the other way and, around and I like bad things, but, um, I mean, that's magic <laughs> as well, but yeah. Well, that's why I smoked for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, that's, not, that's, enough, free, actually. That, that's another pack mentality anyway. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah and it's that thing right like I I grew up with a very small friend circle I didn't have the pack mentality because I didn't really have a pack mm-hmm. um, and I think that that is maybe something that, that helps me with the way that I write the way that I digest stuff because I can step back and go well yeah. let's break this whole thing down rather than going well everyone else likes it like yeah. surely I will like it and then watch it and go, Oh, I like it like everyone else. Um, and that's not to say that that's a slight against anyone else. Like, again, it's not your fault. It's not a bad thing. It's ingrained inside you. Yeah. It's the way that you've been brought up as being a human, like the rest of us, you know, it's uh, just yeah. some of us don't have that mentality, you know, basically bolted into our brains. Yeah, and also the important part there is not that the uh, Cheshire's view on this show is not an attack on anyone who enjoys it. That's the that's mm-hmm. the key there too. And I was I was commenting on um, uh, Peter your appearance on Commander Replay's podcast about how how nice that was to hear, not conflict but like difference of opinions and like really nice clearly because I mean what what fun is it if everyone agrees kind of thing and like mm-hmm. it was really well constructed and we can get into a bit of a uh, pattern these days to go you know, this is someone's opinion against me, therefore it's hostile. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, we can agree to disagree, absolutely. Like, let's be diplomatic and humans about this kind of thing. Well, and, like, when you do it from a friendly perspective, like, you get new insights on it. Like, that's the point. Exactly. I love hearing 
the critical things about something I like. Like I like WandaVision. I like the experience of it. I like the feel of it. I like the, like the play that they're doing, but I also love that Chesh today, especially brought up some things that like, here are some things that I would have changed or that could have been done differently that may have tied in that experience even better. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we can improve upon this thing I like, you know, I like can be improved upon. I've mm-hmm. I've always said you can bitch and moan and complain about whatever the hell you want. But you know what? Unless you can come up with a better way to do it, shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just because like I've especially within the magic community, you hear so much of that bitch whinge moan. And it's like, yeah, but if if every card was a safe card, you wouldn't play the game. It wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be exciting, you know. Having cards that are, like, higher power, they're exciting because you have to jump through a hoop to get it there and then to protect it, you know. It's the same with with any creative endeavour. And Magic itself, playing the game of Magic, is a creative endeavour, right? Because somebody has to create that deck. You have to create your line of plays. You have to create a certain atmosphere within your playgroup. It's mm. all creation. Nice. I like that word atmosphere used in terms of playgroup. I might um, might remember that, Chesh. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Here, here. I, I sometimes sometimes have, uh, you know, my my very um, days where think good stuff. <laughs> exactly. No, well, speaking, of, I'm, speaking I'm, of think I'm good. I'm back to being Aussie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Speaking of think good, uh, that's that's some good WandaVision chat. But uh, what did what you had you had a little note on here for what what was uh, rocking your non magic media world this week, Chesh? <laughs> yes, Run uh, I wrote I wrote an article actually for um, Cherry Collectibles blog on a, an NBA card or nice. on a set, I should say, um, for the uh, the Refractor Error cards, which uh, is doing really well, chugging along quite well. Um, nice. That they've offered me the opportunity to come back and write some more articles for a little bit of coin or for some product. And obviously I'm going to opt for product for the, for the oh, Chesh yeah. Breaks YouTube. Um, good, good. But yeah. Like it's just, yeah, I, I put it up and then I had a bunch of people like contacting me. I had a dude who messaged me going, these aren't for sale, but you made me go and dive back into my collection and holy crap. Is oh, this some oranges, yeah. we're talking about? Yeah. Um, and it turns out he had an orange Jordan refractor. Oh. It's in a folder for the last 20 years that he's going to send off for grading that's nice. worth a lot of money. I like, like you. A lot of money. You got your um, Larry Johnson one for pretty cheap, didn't you? For what it was? 25 bucks. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Exactly. And it's a $140 card. Yeah. Sports <laughs> cards, eh? Wild. Wild. Sports cards. Wild. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, that's just, I wanted to bring that up because it was like, I don't always just do magic related content. Everyone knows that I do chess breaks with you. Um, mm. that we do mail times and group breaks and stuff, but this was the first time that I went, you know what? I just got this card, you know, that I, I bought in auction a couple of months ago. It's finally arrived here in Australia and I want to write about it because it's, you know, it's my other PC. It's my, my yeah. collector, you know, the, the grandmama the that I like to love collect. Larry Johnson. Yeah. The grandmama. Um, and I was like, I want to write about this. I have nowhere to write about sports cards. Yeah. Which is why I went to Cherry and went, hey, you, you've seen my magic articles. You've seen my videos. Well, I've got something <laughs> for you. I want to do an article completely for free. I don't care. I just want to write. Yeah. Um, and that was just like a really cool choice. Uh, and turns out that, you know, uh, actually. There's an appetite there, for it. Up around 500. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> 500 people looking at it in like 48 hours. It's pretty amazing. So Yeah, it is. And it's, again, we say the numbers don't matter because you did it for yourself. And it's like, uh, oh, sorry to, you know, you did it because you, you felt passionate about it is what I meant there. Sorry. Um, but, uh, and, it, and it did well. And, you know, that's it's opening up other avenues and diversifying your, uh, someone said it to me, diversify your ego as best you can. And, you know, you kind of, you're less vulnerable in one point, you know, if, if you're not doing good, so good in one, it's whatever. And it's, I think that's and really promising. I, the reason I wanted to tie this in is because if you ever feel like you need a break from magic or you just need something a little different, em, embrace that other side of yourself. You, you, yeah. Everyone has a secondary hobby. Right? Or even if it's if not there yet, like you, find the new one. Like we said it before. Like I was going to say, if anyone yeah. tells you they don't have a secondary hobby, they yeah. have a secondary hobby buried somewhere that they probably don't even realize is there. Oh, or acknowledge it, exactly. It. Or you yeah, might not know it's a hobby. It. Like, enjoying yeah. sports, I consider a hobby. Me right? too. And I, yeah. you, might not, you might not think of it that way, but that's another interest and hobby you have. Yeah, exactly. And speak, speaking of, uh, and speaking of scores, uh, see the final uh, update on the scores for Clippers versus Celtics? Uh, no, I didn't actually, because I was uh, looking at our show notes. No, it's okay. Do you want me to spoil it? Hey, exactly. Yeah, one, yeah. one nineteen and one fifteen. Celtics took the win over with four points. Uh, Carson nice. ended up yeah, with sixteen points and had thirty solid minutes. So you've oh, been saying for months, you're like Carson, get some minutes. numbers, uh, get some some minutes, hopefully, and then Carson's getting minutes, which is really nice. Because I, I I'm thought so happy. He's a point guard behind Campbell Walker, who's also a point guard, but maybe the way the game's going you have more guards on the floor and and it's it's working well so i'm really happy to see yeah. that and good job beating a really um, good team too so, so anyway we digress the, the we digress to, yeah the thing to let people know is that so carson edwards uh rookie from last year showed heaps of really good scoring um and offense and and probably not the best defense to be honest but just promise but there. not many minutes you know yeah, in college, didn't didn't get any minutes in the NBA. Very small time. Did a massive dunk for a little guy. He's under six foot. Yeah, he's on playing. James Harden. Yeah. Harden, <laughs> who Harden just went. Who knew this kid could dunk? Yeah, I didn't know he could dunk. <laughs> Have you not checked out his college record? Like in college, he was dunking on people left, right, and center yeah. for a little yeah. guy. So that wasn't on the That see. wasn't on the scouting notes. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so last year got no time at all. This year started getting points, started getting time and points, started off with a solid 18 points in 19 minutes. The next game he got, I think it was six points in nine minutes. And then he got zero points in three minutes. And we thought, well, that's it. Like my Mm. dude is done again until he starts getting put back into games. And then this one, he got a solid 30 minutes, uh, and, and scored a solid, what was it? 19 points, 20 points again. Oh, today? Yeah. Or the other one? Yeah. Uh, today was only... Th- 16 uh, points. Yes, yeah. 29 and minutes, 16 points, which is yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Totally. Four rebounds, two assists. Like, he's he's doing pretty well. He's actually the third highest scorer in the team today. Yeah. Um, I think the minutes thing that stands out to me, Walker. like, 30 minutes shows trust. Like, they're trusting him, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. Well, look, they even gave Grant Williams time, right? Um, oh, Grant. And Grant Williams in 31 minutes only scored 11 points. Yeah, um, exactly. So Carson was just hammering threes. In, in not a throwaway um, game great. either against a good team. No, you know, right. like- and highly contested as well. Um, so Carson, the problem with Carson is he needs to learn how to get around uh, screens. He got screened out today pretty badly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, most of the time he was just shooting over the screen because he was yeah. like, no, I'm just going to shoot, <laughs> which is he's really good at clutch shots for threes. He, he can stop on a dime and hammer that down the basket. It's hilarious. Mm. Um, but it is something he needs to get around and he needs to work on his defense. Yeah, but um, yeah, let's let's just hope because I hear that a couple of players have been unfortunately come down with injuries. Um, Pritchard's got a, a wrist injury, um, and who was the other guy? I can never remember. Jeez, I'm terrible with Celtics. <laughs> um, there's another player in the Celtics who um, is out with an injury as well. Who's a guard? So not, not Romeo. Yeah. Uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Brown did he play? I uh, did not. No, Jalen oh, Brown right. had no time. Yeah, yeah Jalen yeah, Brown's been awesome. absolutely right, balling. He's Jaylen. been balling too. Yeah, he's yeah. been smashing it. Yeah, um, he should be an all-star. But this yeah. just goes to show that uh, you know Carson Edwards has has the goods, and hopefully he'll get some more time, and we'll we'll see what happens. Good basketball chat. Um, I had a quick one this week uh, for for my non magic media. Um, sorry, this has gone long winded, but it's kind of it's just been fun. Whatever, uh, finding out what basketball score is, everything. Mine was a little documentary by Sam Neil called The Pacific, uh, and this is incredibly important to me. It's just popped up on ABC. So again, I think it was on SBS. Two channels that mean nothing to our, uh, you know, listeners across the globe. Anyway, if you can find this documentary, highly, highly recommended in that it's it's Sam Neill's exploration of uh, Captain Cook's journey through Tahiti down to New Zealand, across to Australia, and basically looks at, like, the regeneration of uh, culture and language that's happening now and trying to like, correct what a lot of people have learnt uh, growing up because that's the way it felt. It's like, well, taught in schools not really to open our eyes to what actually happened in, in you know, some of the atrocity, uh, atrocities towards Indigenous cultures. Uh, and then also the whole just really like pulling apart that notion that Captain Cook discovered these places because it is utter trash, that that thought. Like that is a couple of hundred years, a few hundred years ago and then you're talking about Indigenous well, cultures. Look, te- technically he did. In England's eyes, <laughs> well, exactly. In a, in a, in a in the sense of Western culture and civilization, sure, exactly. So that's the point. But um, it's it. He does a really great job of each one. Um, and I've watched it before. I'm going to watch it all again. Uh, but there's some really great insights. That there's all that and and just just kind of being aware and open and and you know everyone's point of view especially from indigenous looking out what that would have been like um but there's even things at the end you're just like all right so cook's a real ass or and it's like maybe it's just the culture i think culture is not like it's it's just frustrating like try not to get too wide up here but um it's it happened it absolutely did of course uh and and but it's it's just the progression of of you know, like I say, Western civilization and those notions of like taking over new lands, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and through everything that happened, there's, there's always a great quote I was kind of, uh, stuck with. And it was that, uh, Captain Cook was in Australia and after some, some pretty horrible stuff going on, uh, and what sounded like just basically animosity between the two cultures, there was some examinations in his notes going, oh, well, now we're starting to realise it's like, well, the Aboriginal pe- people of Australia uh, here, are, you know, the way they live with, with connection to nature and the land and uh, living simply compared to the way we live extravagantly, all that stuff, realising that they, they are truly happy and happier than we could ever be. And it's like that surprised me that he was able to make that observation and it's that's huge because it's exactly what it's about he's like yeah basically the way uh you know this this 
this civilization driven culture was was kind of do you want me to do you want me to break your brain on two things things that we aren't taught oh, in school please yeah go for it <laughs> all right so the first one is did you know to, did you know that the the oldest uh human made observatory ever recorded is here in australia i would not be surprised it's yeah by the native uh, people of this land the aboriginal um australia uh, yeah Basically, Native Australians are, are, are some of the oldest cultures in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. Look at the stars and the stars is... matter, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, the other thing that, and, and I'm sure I've spoken about this before, so you probably already know it, but uh, people, people in Hawaii, I wonder if they're taught about this, uh, about how James Cook, Captain James Cook, decided that he would try and take the King of Hawaii hostage and then uh, ended yep. up getting murdered by the people in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, exactly. That's the thing that happened. I think there's yeah. a drunk history on it, if people are interested. That'd be a great yep. one to watch as well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, again, I tried to keep it... I wanted to kind of keep that brief anyway, but, um, yeah, it's all uh, it's all in there. It's 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 an amazing documentary. Again, watch it, Yeah, watch the drunk history thing if you can find it too because that's, that's, that's always a great time. Uh, so... Time to time to wrap it all up. Uh, we didn't go for four hours, but we went for a janitor amount, amount of time. So uh, well done if you stuck around at all this and as as a, as a good one. Like I say, I make no apologies. So this is these always go as long as they need to. And and if we're having fun, it's gelling, whatever. And uh, you know, it's 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 been a good one. So thanks so much, Peter. It's been unreal, and can't wait to keep the uh, conversation going. More more Commander games. Want to see what 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 more decks you uh, the the new decks you kind of keep brewing as as you go on and you set interesting challenges for yourself. So um, yeah, appreciate you existing for sure. This likewise, likewise <laughs> to both of you. <laughs> no, I love it. So Thank where you can very much for uh, hanging out? Yeah, where can the people find you, Peter? Uh, I'm pretty much just on Twitter, and if you go to Twitter, you'll find everything relating to me. So it's at mono white border on twitter and from there you can find if you're curious about what i'm writing about it's uh monowhiteborder.weebly.com just i don't have a real schedule for when i blog i just pitter patter away when i find the time and that's what it's about no pressure you just do it because you love it and it's that's that's unreal so uh comes from the heart you can also find us usually on the uh you know the looking for web uh, looking for games webcam uh channel on uh the the mtg lexicon server uh among others but yeah exactly uh chesh where can we find you my lad uh you can find me anywhere your mother is (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't to you it was to them good uh you can find me uh at chesh breaks sorry cheshire plays games um, on Twitch and YouTube, uh, you can find me at uh, Cheshire Plays on Twitter, uh, and of course, you can always hunt me down pretty easily uh, around the traps. I'll always talk to you on Twitter if I can, if I have the time, uh, unless you are a cephalid. I love cephalids. Oh well. <laughs> Love it. You can find me at Pastor Jam Sam on the Twitters and on the Instagrams, but you can also find us, uh, the, the podcast is at cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm is the website, and you can find us on Twitter at cmdr underscore crunch, Instagram at cmdrcrunch, and you can send us thoughts, feedbacks, quest feedbacks, feedback, questions, pictures of cephalids, pictures of kittens if you really want to, whatever you feel like, to cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Com. And also why, uh, you know, I don't know, refute, get into a battle with uh, Chesh about WandaVision. I don't know. 
You don't don't have to. Yeah. Ha- no, have a healthy debate. It's not, not a battle. Not a battle. Have a healthy debate. Come fight me. Fight. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 all the important stuff done. Uh, how do we want to uh, see off our listeners uh, into the ether, friends? Do any advice before we get going? It's too late for advice where I'm at. Oh, man. Me too. Me too. My, my exactly. advice is uh, get to bed on time. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll 100%. Be, you'll be better for it. Exactly. Uh, drink your whiskey straight on the rocks, trust me. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Whiskey gives me a headache these days, but um, yeah. Uh, I'll just say be kind and, and be considerate and keep your mind open a little bit and I'll keep it broad like <laughs> be that. Be kind, rewind? Yeah, be kind, rewind. Just chill. Exactly. Take care, friends. Bye. Bye.